You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. This is... Mike the General Zod here at, with Below the Belt Show, and I, I can see uh, I can see uh, our disdainful vi- contempt rising from the seat next to you. Exactly, <laughs> with uh, famed legend and noted curmudgeon. Um, hey, that, cut that curmudgeon ages bullshit right here and right now. Okay. Curmudgeon is an insulting thing to call me. I am a contrarian. Okay, curmudgeon contrarian. Implies, curmudgeon implies that I'm irrelevant. That I'm worthy of marginalizing, and I'm standing on someone's lawn yelling at kids to get off it. That is just insulting and shitty. Contrarian. Contrarian. Very. Get with it, motherfucker. Okay then. You asked for this. Of you course know, this I did. Not, you know, this no, 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 you know, you didn't lose a bet for this. And uh, I always welcome some good-natured roasting. I didn't roast you. I just I, I shut you down from that curmudgeon bullshit. Okay. And it's, well, it's really it's incredibly insulting. Okay, and that's uh, and that's fair, and that will cause me to rethink using that word in my. In How my old book. are you now? I um, I'm in my forties. Okay, you're in your best decade of your life. Really, you think yeah, so? Absolutely. Um, you will you you will find your forties to the for a man your forties are the best best time of your life. Yeah. Everything starts going to going to shit at fifty. <laughs> um, I'll have serious. to. I'll have to. I'll have to remember that. Keep, one. keep track. You'll note it. Okay. Well, Mr. Howard, Good thank luck, you man. so much. Thanks, guy. Thank you. The below the belt show is closed. Caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. Culture, the Zadi, if you will, and the man with the calming presence. Happy birthday, Mike the General Zod. Welcome back to BTB. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, so it looks like I am inexorably and probably eternally linked with Howard Chaikin forever and Did ever. Did you like the opening promo? <laughs> on, the, on the show. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most jaw-dropping moments in BTB history is when General Zod called comic book creator Howard Chaikin a curmudgeon, and he responded in a very... In kind, uh, apparently. (laughs) Unexpected way. That was certainly one of the highlights, and Zod uh, 
Uh, I hope you enjoyed your little birthday soundbite that we uh, we edited just for you. I do, I do. That was uh, that was hilarious. And like you know, he's a he's he was actually a great interview. And he was you know I spoke to him. We spoke uh, off the record, and he was like a really cool guy to talk to. But that's right. Yep, the interview is available below the belt show dot com and all your favorite favorite podcast platforms. So but Zod, we got a special panel here tonight, uh here on BTB. Uh returning to BTB, that's right, guys. He is also known as the one line wonder, the co star king, Mr. Showtime. <laughs> we all coined these uh, um amazing uh monikers for all our co hosts. He is Vinny Mac, Vince Eisenson, back on BTB. Better than being the one-minute wonder. There you go. There you go. Hey, because a one line, line, it could be a long line. You never know. Yes. You never know. But it's good to be back. Thank you for those accolades. Yes, yes. Yeah. I know you came up with uh, the one-line wonder, but I came up with the co-star king. I like co-star king. That's good. But one-line wonder might be more, more accurate, but I like co-star king. (laughs) <laughs> as long as you don't get it mixed up with coaster king because okay. you know or maybe you do maybe uh could be a, a new new direction for your career that could, <laughs> work. That could work yeah coasting coasting uh, uh coasting through uh, every audition uh. of the man books of course yes um but nonetheless guys we we are so happy to have She's only joining for us for a little bit, but a little bit uh, means a lot here on BTB. She's got uh, a lot going on, but we are so happy to have back on BTB the amazing, the beautiful, the talented cosplayer extraordinaire, mm-hmm. Anna B. Como estas, Anna B? Hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to BTB. And I'm wearing my red christmas <laughs> nice yeah. nice and also maybe general zod's birthday yeah of course <laughs> it's it's really when really said, great to you see you again you Anna. his birthday i was like yes like i have to make time <laughs> okay oh, i'm touched oh that, that's so great you can join us on a b um i'm sure a lot of the fans want to know where you've been and what you've been up to it's been really busy um i've been biking a lot lately <laughs> that's always good you gotta keep that on my fitness on my first TikTok. oh and your tiktok yeah. video throw out the tiktok for all the stalkers i mean fan, uh, fans fans of anna b if you could <laughs> it's the same as my instagram so it's new villa n-u-e um vs and victor i-l-l-a new villa, so new villa. okay check her out on tiktok and instagram you can see Anna B in all these amazing cosplays. She she rocks a Harley Quinn cosplay. Um, Daenerys Targaryen from Game of Thrones. Um, Anna B, um, we're so happy to have you back, even though you, you can't be here for, for um, that long. But uh, um, I love the Wonder Woman. Wonder yeah. Woman. Yeah, thank you. Right? Very nice. Yes, 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 yes. Um, have you attended a con, a con lately? Uh, and, and what cosplay have you um, featured? Not really, not okay. since the uh, pandemic, really. I okay. Since then, I've been kind of like trying to be, I guess, careful with that. But okay. I'm hoping next year, because it's around next, the corner. Twenty twenty three is just around the corner, Anabi, yeah. and I. We hope that's the return of cosplayer Anabi um, back on the cosplay scene uh, with her very impressive uh, cosplay. So, uh, 
but yeah, we got an incredible show uh, tonight from top to bottom. Of course, um, it's interesting. Uh, this is probably one of the more co- coincidental things here on BTB. Last week, I interviewed the director of a film called 5,000 Blankets. It's a heartfelt drama film based on a true story. It stars Anna Camp. You might know her from the Pitch Perfect franchise. Uh, so a publicist emails me and asks if we want to interview the director. I mean, Metallica. Meanwhile, of course, I want Anna Camp. You know, but sadly, that didn't happen. But in addition to Amen Metallica, we all we also interviewed Cindy Saunders. So this is the character that Anna Camp portrays. This is the real person, the real life subject. And the film was quite quite an emotional film. It's Basically, um, a couple, um, the man in the, the, in the marriage is suffering from um, mental illness and he runs away and he ends up uh, missing. And, and the mother and the son uh, go on this search for him. And this is around the holiday season. So it's cold. And, you know, and eventually um, he is found uh, in a homeless um, area of, of the town. And, um, and um, I guess we should probably stop there because there's probably a lot more on the plot that we don't want to spoil the film. But uh, the film is called 5,000 Blankets. Again, it's available um, in th- – well, actually, it's in theaters now. Um, it ha- has a um, – Literally, a sh- right? Actually, it's probably ending like right now unless you're on the <laughs> West Coast. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we, there's two screenings on uh, December 12th and the 13th. And uh, after that, I believe it's going to go to your favorite streaming platform. But uh, so incidentally, I, I talked to Vinnie Mac and he told me that uh, his buddy is in a film called 5,000 Blankets. I'm like, what the heck? I, I just interviewed the director, <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, he's like, well, why don't you see if he wants to uh, join us on the show? Because we're going to be playing that interview with the director, Amin uh, Matalka. Turns out um, Ronald Woodhead, who is our uh, our guest tonight, uh, is an actor um who is from the dmv but moved to new york city uh, is that yeah, correct that's right yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh got a got a nice role on, on this film and he's <laughs> going to talk about it and from there we're going to segue into that director interview with amin matalka so that's pretty cool uh vinnie you worked it's on a proves that al you know al celebrity soda is the most connected man in the biz <laughs> <laughs> just float yeah, any name by him and he's probably interviewed it's, it's someone who knows so that coincidental. person yeah. yeah and uh you know uh ronald will be talking about the film a little bit later and um incidentally you and ronald and another actor who is actually featured in the film cocaine bear all worked together on an independent film right we did yes yes so we can definitely plug well i wish i could plug cocaine bear i'm not in it but the the writer of an indie that Ronald and I were in became famous on TikTok. So on it, it can happen. There you, you know. go, Anna. But he absolutely blew up on TikTok and now he's like has a major role in Cocaine Bear, like right out of the gate. And so, what is this gentleman's name? Uh Scott Sice, also known as the IKEA guy. The IKEA guy. You might have seen his yeah. TikTok videos. He's also on YouTube. Um, and maybe, maybe uh, a future interview on BTV, but nonetheless. Uh, so all three of you are associated with one indie film, and all of you are superstars now. Yeah, to some degree or another, yes, that is 
is true. <laughs> Let's not downplay your amazing credits, Vinnie Mac, of course. Uh, but the bottom line is you're right. If you you know don't yes. knock short films. Sometimes a short film can be, you know, a, a big stepping stone. There you, you go. There you go. There you go. So, um, well, you know what? We have a uh, time for a couple headlines. I know that Anna B will be a having to leave us shortly, but let's go ahead and throw out a couple things while we have her on here on BTB. So here's some Hollywood coming at ya. It is time for the Hollywood report. That's hot. That's bananas. That's off the chain. Yeah, man. Benji and Joel. Good Charlotte. Hollywood news theme. All right. So, yeah, man. Um, the box office has been, uh, you know what? It's it's pretty much been the same. Um, and um, the overall gross in films has declined 30, by 33% since last weekend. So overall, a bad weekend for the box office uh, as the only major film to make waves is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. However, that is going to change because next week, Avatar The Way of the Water will be released. And uh, that film certainly, certainly is going to make waves, pun intended, Way of the Water. (laughs) Um, but, uh, (laughs) But yes, nonetheless, Black Panther number one. Followed by a film I got to see last Friday called Violent Night. Um, And we've talked about Black Panther, so we can go ahead to Violent Night, because I actually really enjoyed Violent Night. Um, There's not many horror Christmas movies, if you think about it. So they kind of combined the... There's uh, there's at least two of them I can think of. Okay, at least two, but there's not a ton. There's not a delusion, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and it was was good. I enjoyed it. It was action-packed. It was bloody violent as hell was it horror or was it more of like an action movie it was it was a a violent action movie um so was it was it was it kind of like um was there blood and gore yes yeah i mean it 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 looks more like a like a john wick type movie to me like you know just yeah trailer from the trailer yeah you can you can gather that would be the case but i i would i would say yes if i would describe it an action holiday comedy um violent <laughs> masterpiece there you go i, I don't know I, okay. it's, a, it's a lot of genres tied into one really hmm. um but yes there is blood and gorge you do have the horror aspect um a lot of a lot of guns are blazing <laughs> so that you have that 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 factor there is some fantasy involved because this particular santa claus played by david harbour you know um is a magical magical santa of sorts because you know i'm really glad that's the case because how in the f is he going to go to like millions and millions of homes across the the world and give gifts to all the children um but his magical powers kind of explain it um because he has this sack that's magical that that you can pull out any gift and and he actually um, showed his ability to um, teleport up and down chimneys. Hmm. So now it's starting to make sense. You know, when you see that side of the Santa Claus, you know, <laughs> uh, which uh, 
you know, as a kid, you know, how the F is he going to all those houses, delivering the presents and going up and down chimneys, you know? <laughs> so I like the fact that it kind of explains that, you know, <laughs> in that film. But uh, David Harbour, brilliant, brilliant job. And, of course, John Leguizamo, man, he is... Um, Scrooge, apparently. I guess he's one of the bad guys. He is a Scrooge of sorts being the bad guy um, okay. that they try to... Um, basically uh rob the bank of this wealthy family and ah. the wealthy family um you know they're a little dysfunctional themselves but uh um and of course uh you know santa is also uh, a hero uh, as he uh uh gets involved into uh those antics by john leguizamo john leguizamo and the bad guys um but uh all in all it's a great i think i should say no more now because uh, i don't want to get too spoilery but uh definitely check it out it's a great film to check out um but no surprise for the rest of the top five strange world the menu and devotion which i believe was identical to last week but um you know early reviews are coming out about avatar um now i think last week we could only they had the embargo so they, the reviews weren't out yet but they talked about how the special effects were amazing, but uh, um, a lot of people are saying that it's actually better. This uh, sequel is better than the 2009 predecessor. That so that's positive. Um, one reviewer said Avatar: Way of the Water is miles better than the first. Okay. Um, also, another critic said proof that cinematic wonder still exists. And it's exactly what moviegoers need. That's awesome. Uh, James Cameron pulls you so deep and sets you so gently adrift that at times you don't feel like you're watching a movie so much as floating in one. Wow. Okay. So overall, yeah. I mean, very, very positive, positive reviews of this sequel. In fact, Avatar Way of the Water was nominated for Best Film at the Golden Globes, which we will get into the rest of the nominees a little later. But uh, that's telling you something, you know. Um, uh, is anyone going to go out to see Avatar Way of the Water when it comes out? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd love to. I won't be there opening night, I don't think. But yeah. Definitely catch it. Yeah. It's yeah, one I of those films you've got to catch. I'll definitely catch it before its theatrical run is done. I'm not going to. Yeah, I mean, opening night is for like movies that i'm like hugely huge huge fans of like and, and they put the kibosh the kibosh on the sag after for disney yeah. related films so <laughs> that puts another wrench into it but yeah. uh it's also not the kind of movie i feel like is going to be spoilery there's nothing to spoil i just know it's <laughs> going to be spectacle okay yeah i want to see it i don't really care about the plot i can't even remember i, can't I have to i have to reacquaint myself with the plot it's uh, been I, so I, long yeah 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 I don't. I saw it twice, and I really couldn't tell you the plot, other than Stephen Lang was bad, and <laughs> Sam Worthington was trying Good. to speak American accent, but didn't quite get there. That's <laughs> all I really. The effects remember. were awesome. Oh, also, Zoe, Zoe also said that was his lover. It also involved like connecting uh, ponytails to uh, <laughs> to each other. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was there was something about like out. connecting your ponytail to the back of like one of those like pterodactyls. No, <laughs> that's the okay. only that's the other <laughs> thing yeah. I remember from that movie. That was very odd. Um this is thirteen years ago, yeah. This yeah. was thirteen years ago. That's oh, where they had wow. another theater. Oh, oh lunch, let me let me you tell know? you about like this this weird little thing about um uh if you guys uh have you guys been to um Animal Kingdom at Disney World? <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm finally going to go in January. I've never been, and I'm finally going to go because people say that Avatar ride is one of the best rides they've yeah, ever been to it's, in the entire it's, world. It, that ride is amazing, and it's worth the wait to get on it. But okay. there's right. one of the weirdest, weirdest things in the Avatar land at <laughs> Animal Kingdom is that the dark, the barking dog. Yeah, my dog, my dog. That's the Animal that, Kingdom right there. Yeah, that's the Animal Kingdom right there. Um, the no. <laughs> it's your birthday. You get a pass. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and take care of that because I got a news bit on. Uh, yeah. On I'll, uh, to be continued. I'll tell this story in a sec. Okay. So James Cameron, actually the director of Avatar, did not attend the premiere because he tested positive for COVID nineteen. Yeah. He was asymptomatic, but um, he decided. For the safety of others, which I would agree with, it was the, the best move to do, um, best decision, was not to attend. Even though this is a big deal for him, a director of, of a highly anticipated sequel, but apparently he's feeling fine. He will continue to complete his schedule virtually, but will not be at the premiere. So um, That's interesting. I always thought, I, I had heard before that James Cameron wouldn't ever do a sequel, ever. So I'm kind of surprised that he's part of this you know, project. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I know that the, the scripts have been written for a long time. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was just a matter of time, whether he was able to return to it. Yeah. It had been like 13 years. Right. I mean, um, but uh, he also said, I can't be at my own party. <laughs> I apologize <laughs> to everyone. I was traveling around the world. And on a flight back from Tokyo, I started to feel kind of heavy, and I got tested, and sure enough, I have COVID. So mm. he was not <laughs> there. Yeah. So um. The star won't be there. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the second thing on my list, because I'm really, really, uh, I'm the biggest Margot Robbie fan. Everyone knows that. Um, <laughs> obviously, that's why I love Anna V's cosplay of, of Harley Quinn, um, because Harley Quinn is my one of my favorite DC characters and when margot robbie was going to be in new york and i get an email to attend the babylon screening and q a with margot robbie the director damien giselle and the actor diego calva i did not hesitate i got my ass up to new york um, and <laughs> had to see margot robbie again <laughs> to say hi the film itself guys was phenomenal uh guys it's three hours and nine minutes long and i can talk about this now because this show will be up after the embargo on december 16th Hmm. but uh yes um it's from the director damien chazelle as you know he did la la land and whiplash uh, so he's got some incredible credits i mean um to his uh, resume already but um they're calling it the most ambitious film to date, um, and it's about old Hollywood's transition from the silent film period to the non-sep the the, the, the talkies, the, the talkies, the talkies. Mm-hmm. That's right. When sound was presented in film and cinema, and um, you know what, Margot Robbie is nominated for a Golden Globe. I wonder if she will also be nominated for an Oscar because. Her performance in Babylon was fantastic. Um, she looked amazing. I mean, <laughs> couldn't take my eyes off the screen. Was that the first time you met her, or had you met her before? No, I met her at the Screen Actors Guild Awards. Yeah, 
So that mm-hmm. was uh, that was the probably one of the highlighted moments of my uh, of my <laughs> <laughs> celebrity encounters over the years was meeting Margot Robbie. <laughs> Although I did try to meet her that night, um, there was a uh, particularly um, very stoic security guard that uh, was not playing nice, let's just say. Um, wow. And uh, although they, you know, walked off the stage, there wasn't <clears throat> any uh, any encounters uh, with the audience and 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 the cast. Uh, sadly, well, so that but picture I saw a picture that was from another. That was that was from the Saga Awards. From Saga. Oh, okay, okay. So I, That's still cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to throw that one in, you know. So. Uh, but uh yeah it it's a great film in fact Damon Chazelle actually um signed a uh a multi-year first look directing and producing deal with Paramount Pictures so mm. how do those uh, how do those deals work the first look deals does that mean that um you know whatever projects he has there is it that Paramount Pictures gets the first look at it before he goes yes. to the studios Yes, no, I think that they they look at it and they end up being the studio attached to it. Because oh, so, once so, so the, the studio has to make whatever idea he has. Not so it has to, I guess, because, uh, you know, a lot of scripts get passed on, you know. But uh, I, I believe it just means that Paramount Pictures will be the studio attached to any film that he produces. Okay. It is an interesting point that, yeah, I don't know how exactly it benefits the the artist. Because, yeah, if he writes a script and they think it's absolute crap, yeah, I don't think mm-hmm. they have to do it. They might just Yeah, because uh, otherwise, no. yeah, if they think yeah, it's but what's crap, in it for I him? Mean, it must I, be some paid deal. I assume he gets paid for that, to be in that yeah, position. I don't know how it works. Yeah, yeah, it's sure it's a contract and it's... But if it's pro- good, Paramount does it. If he writes <laughs> yeah. a good script, they're going to do it. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Paramount produced Top Gun Maverick, you know. I remember going to the RCP link and saying, which uh, screening you want to go to, Top Gun Maverick or... Or Babylon, you know, and uh, so yeah, um, this uh, film is coming out the end of December, but I was uh, um, happy to be able to get a sneak preview and see my girl Margot Robbie on the big screen. So, uh, but uh, overall, a uh, very uh, very nice time, a uh, very quick trip to New York to see that. Um, but that was number two on my list. Number three, um, so uh, a film that's going to be in theaters, or actually a film that's already in theaters, um, but. Uh, it's kind of in that independent level, but it's a film that's, you know, obviously getting a lot of attention because of Brendan Fraser's performance, you know, and it's The Whale. And that's uh, Darren Aronofsky's film. And uh, apparently it set a per theater average record for 60,000 per venue. And um, that's that's pretty much um a positive thing when it comes to a film on that level that's not considered a blockbuster. So, uh, but the bigger problem, uh, I, well, it's not even a problem, but it's just a, a, some some people are up in arms. Like, why did they cast Brendan Fraser when there's a lot of like morbidly ob- obese uh, actors? There's there's gay actors. Like, they didn't even go either route. They they cast Brendan Fraser, you know, to put in prosthetics. Very yeah, why realistic. didn't they, why didn't they just pull an actor from my 600 pound life and just there you go plug them into <laughs> they a could major have done that picture. 
but yeah. would they Without have any acting training at all? That's the thing. That's the exactly what it is. You still have to be able to act. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm sure Darren considered other people that physically matched the guy, but god damn it, Brendan Fraser's a fantastic actor. And Brendan Fraser wasn't exactly like a he's he hasn't been an A-lister for a long time. So mm-hmm. it's not like he had that kind I mean, unless they were going for like the novelty of, you know, former action hero, you know, hunk actor mm-hmm. is now like uh now plays this uh very uh, what's what's a what's a good term for it zoftig zoftig there we go there, there we go very zoftig it's not uh, as offensive as curmudgeon right yeah person <laughs> Although, and that that also brings up a question who do you think is the 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 best plus size actor in history or actress actor in history oh wow. yeah i mean orson wells is certainly the first name that comes to yeah. mind. I, I i never knew if or maybe marlon brando well was he that big the thing for marlon is by the time he got that big he he was kind of a joke of an actor oh that's true that's a good but point. you're right he did get to be pretty how about good. james gandolfini from sopranos but even then you're proving the point like a, a, mm-hmm. a fat actor is usually a hefty dude. It's not yeah. a guy who requires a motorized scooter. Right. Which true. is what the whale would require. So exactly. Not... Are there any like really well-known like obese? I mean, cause usually well, like Chrissy Metz from this is us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's probably the most well-known one. Um, but, uh, actually Darren said that he insisted that he didn't see it coming when he first cast Roman, um, Roman Fraser, um, Brendan Fraser in the part, and argue that actors have been using makeup since the beginning of acting. That's one of their tools, you know. So if if actors can wear makeup and wigs, you know, and yeah. prosthetics, you know, why can't why can't Brendan Fraser do it for this if, role? You if know, he was gay it would help, I guess. But you know, mm-hmm. because he didn't check two of the boxes, it's kind of like people are all up in arms, you know. And you don't really you don't really know like. Do you really know Brendan Fraser's true sexuality? Maybe <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's not really. I mean, it's not really. You know whether he. You know he could be. Um, um, he. He could be. Um, so I don't know. I mean, like, you know, uh, hetero hetero act, uh, actors and actresses playing gay or bi, or you know, vice versa. I don't it, it's really, really hard to quantify that. I mean, not quantify that. It's hard to um, it's hard to it's hard to, like, get too upset about that because that's just playing a character. That's, yeah, that's the thing. I just wish the, the 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 whole PC, you have to be this person or that person to portray the character is just, it's gone a little too far. Plus, but we're, any- all on a, we're all on a spectrum anyway. So exactly. I think but, the, it's worth I mean, it's it's I guess good. The conversation comes up, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe it, if there are more gay, huge plus size male actors in this open. Ah, Harvey Pierce died. There's, there's just although there's, he might be yeah. dead. <laughs> he might be. Oh my God. Harvey yeah. Pierce died was gay and plus size. There you go. <laughs> well, sadly, Anna B has to leave us. Ah, we'll miss Anna. you, Anna. Nice to see we you. Wish we wish we, we could have really, you longer. It was really, great seeing you again. Uh, can, we, can we have we you back in 2023? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Will you be ready for us then? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we miss you, and we'll miss you at our, our Christmas social. But uh, Feliz Nuevo Año, uh, Feliz Navidad, and uh, 
and and everything else that goes with it. All right, Anna. We hope to see you soon, sooner than later. Okay. Prospero año y felicidad. There you go. Gracias. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining and for Zod's birthday. birthday show. Yeah, that was really nice. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, bye. Thank you very much. All right. Anna B. Oh, we, we, we miss her already. <laughs> it was fun to have her. It was yeah, we do. She's very sweet. Yeah, yeah. She's a she's a she's a she's a looker. She's a good looking girl. All right. <laughs> All right, number four on my list. Uh, Zod, I know you're excited about spider-man across the spider-verse um and uh i saw the trailer it looked fantastic Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of work that goes into that animation style that that we see in that film in fact they uh hired over 1000 animation staffers that's a lot of animators i could see that i mean there's a It's because it's such a frenetic style and Mm -hmm. you look at it and there's like so much going on where it's like switching between the switching between the backgrounds. It's such a such a crazy pace. And and yeah, that's I could I could believe that it would that they'd need an army of animators because animating like animation, even with even compute, even using um, software, it's hard. There's a lot of work involved. Yeah. No doubt. Did you enjoy uh, the trailer? I did. I did. I was a little. Um, the, the the trailer really didn't reveal much. Like uh, not too much. You're right. Yeah. And it was. I did like. You know, it had kind of like a heartfelt message. And then they have the implication that Spider. You know, the 2099 Spider Man is a villain. Which I don't know. Mm, okay. That's a, that's a little kind of surprising. We're not too far from 2099. It's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they, they they created that character a long time ago, I believe. Right? Yeah, they created they created that character in like the early 90s. Right. And now it's <laughs> it's like you know we're not, I mean it's still it's still ways off. Yeah, let's just not get yeah. twisted. But uh, I believe we have someone mm-hmm. else joining us, but uh, but uh, I guess we'll uh, announce him when he appears on uh, on screen. But um, another big trailer making waves. In fact, the most viewed trailer is Transformers Rise of the Beasts. So apparently um, it got more views than Indiana Jones and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 combined, which I... Wow, that I is literally actually, the first time I've heard of this movie. Yes, uh, the, 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 the Transformer Rise of the Beasts. Yeah, it kind of crept up on us yes. last week. They dropped the big trailer and... Um, you know, it, it supposedly is, is a sequel of the the Bumblebee um, okay. uh, movie. Oh, I still but, have to see Bumblebee. I've never. You still seen have that. to see Bumblebee. You yeah, know? yeah, that's a good. It was one. one of the better ones. Yeah. Are are we able to introduce you yet? Because you're not showing up on the screen yet. I'm driving. You're driving. But nobody, but nobody's going. To, I mean, how how is Transformers get more views than Indiana Jones and Guardians of the Galaxy combined? I don't, I don't believe it. It's got to be bots. <laughs> bots, yeah. Can we it. introduce you to the listening audience, though? Yeah, so do people still care about Transformers, honestly, after, like, 18 movies? Um, Apparently. I, mean, I, like, I like Bumblebee, but... Um, but you know, Bumblebee was other, great. A lot of it had to do with Halo. All the other I ones know. besides, you know, the first and maybe the second one were garbage. Mm, well, the ones of Megan Fox were, were fun. The first, the first one was great. Yeah, yeah. Maybe but, the second one. But but joining us here on BTV, um, you you joined us via this method uh, 
last week too, didn't you? I can't recall. Was it the week before? Nonetheless, guys. It was he last is... week. It was like three weeks ago. Okay. Before Thanksgiving. Okay. Nonetheless, joining, joining us here on B2B, the king of the 80s, the demotivational speaker, Chachi McFly. It's only because of General's birthday that I'm even on here today. Oh, I so I am so Otherwise, blessed by your I presence, Chachi. Thank you. Oh man, I would have I would have figured you were the you were the uh, the mastermind behind my wonderfully edited um, opening promo <laughs> for the, for this episode. Oh, he's referring no, to no. Howard Chaikin, um yeah. screaming at him. Oh, was wonderful. That that's a great trick. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that was. I uh, still, I still have respect for you keeping your composure during that. I don't know how you did it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that a lot of it is you just uh, you just channel it down and you know, like, you know, because, mm. you know, you got a job to do and, you know, it wouldn't have made like if I would have gotten into, into an argument with him, what would that have done? It like. <laughs> <laughs> and plus a lot of it. The few people there that actually knew who he was and actually you know would mark out you know over meeting him and then he got pissed off at you that's it's just insane it was one of the just hearing it though i was it was right on the edge of me thinking he was serious or making a bit i don't know what you thought yeah of the that's why like that's, at the at the yeah. time i thought he was making a bit that's why okay. i was okay. um and then but then when he continued with it it's like no motherfucker and i was like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah because during the interview he kind of you know kept his composure and he answered you know the questions uh you know um uh-huh but like almost immediately know? after it, he smiled and he was like oh did you lose a bet having to interview me or something so he knew right. like he already knew he already knew his like because he's had that reputation for a long time and if right. you read it if you read his work and a lot of it has that really he called it contrarian, but I'll still call it curmudgeonly. It has oh, a curmudgeonly tone. Wow. <laughs> and like, um, so like, I kind of, I kind of came into it kind of expecting it a little bit, mm-hmm. but it was, it but was not still, like that. No. Yeah. It was still surprising. <laughs> right. But the, yeah. Cause I mean, he was busting your balls before the interview. Yeah. So it's like for him to get mad that you threw it back at him. was just insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cause I mean, you were in the right there. I mean, you like, he, that's why, again, he's the man with the calming presence. He kept his composure throughout the whole interview. He did. Yeah. A lot of people talk about the interview. It is, it is available. It is available to listen to in its entirety on BelowTheBeltShow.com and all our streaming platforms. So, uh, yeah. All, um, yeah, in all its glory. So uh, I guess we'll we'll drop a couple more things. Um, we're going to take a birthday classic cut and then welcome a special guest. But uh, – uh, number six on my list is Anya Taylor Joy. Actually, six and seven are both oh. Taylor Joy, who is one of my f- absolute favorites right now. I think she's amazing. I think Chachi, you sent me these uh, these yeah, news bits. Oh, she is something else. She looks like a really sexy alien with those big eyes, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She played a great that, alien. Last Night in Soho was great. I love that movie. Um, Last Night in Soho was fantastic. Very the underrated. menu was great. The menu was great. Yeah. Yeah, but we're not going to be seeing her loveliness in the Super Mario Brothers movie. But, you know, um, as you know, it's an animated film. But she described how she prepared for the role, which I thought was interesting. She began be- began playing the Super Mario video game. And she wasn't a gamer before getting the part. 
and then she became a dedicated fan of Super Mario Brothers um, after, you know, researching and playing these video games. And, uh, yeah, and, of course, she is Princess Peach in Super Mario Brothers. So, uh, very, the very... She can definitely work a joystick. Oh, wow, (laughs) Chachi. You know, I mean, talking about, like, you know, it takes skill to play those games, you know, and you got to, like... It does. Have a lot of hand-eye coordination. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so... uh, <laughs> another thing about Anya Taylor Joy is she actually another thing when she researches movies, um, it's interesting that she played the video games for Super Mario Brothers, but now she's gonna play Charlie's Theron's uh, Furiosa character from the Mad Max Fury Road film in the film called Furiosa. She did not talk to Charlie's Theron about um you know playing the role. She didn't consult with her. And apparently, um, apparently Charlie Theron was okay with that. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Charlie Theron could have played Furiosa, but, you know, she still looks fantastic. I'm guessing they would have to do some, um, aging, you know, de-aging technology, um, uh, with, with, uh, Charlize. But, uh, I mean, if she can turn into a monster... In the movie Monster, why couldn't they? Nah, that's true. Why, why couldn't she play like the young? I feel like Fury every other week there's some interview with her about how much she hated doing Mad Max. So. Yeah. But maybe that was Tom Hardy. I don't know who, what maybe she that, hated. But that could have been she's always too. talking about how terrible it was. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. that that could be it. That could be it. So, uh, but yeah, um, moving on. Great, we're zooping through these. Uh, D, there's a lot of DC news. So, um. So basically, uh, James Gunn and Peter Safran, the new heads of the DCU, it's no longer EU, it's DCU, apparently uh, took to social media to confirm that Superman is one of the biggest priorities. Mm-hmm. So um, basically, uh, James Gunn said Superman is a huge priority, if not the biggest priority in the DCEU. So um uh, so that's what they're they're focusing on and one thing that they won't be focusing on is a third wonder woman movie so apparently um news broke that patty jenkins walked away from wonder woman 3 and we actually have a wonder woman actor on the panel in vinnie mac the guy hailing the cab <laughs> i mean i had i was uh, my schedule was clear for part three and now yeah right i don't know what i'm gonna do this yeah, is bullshit. i know <clears throat> Man, if only Gal Gadot got into that cab, what, yeah. what, what would the story be like, Vinny? Yeah, <laughs> well, she, she my alimony would be quite high. <laughs> Your alimony would be high? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's off the record. Um, uh, <laughs> we got to keep that one in. <laughs> it's fantasy. It's fantasy, people. No, you never, yeah. you never know what could happen. You never know. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, but she was rejected. You shouldn't feel too bad, or at least your character, because she was rejecting men left and right. Exactly. It was right. nothing personal. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah, she only raped that one guy, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That is at, rape by deception. That's absolutely what yeah, it is. Yeah. But anyway, so Patty, was, her script, apparently, she didn't like the, the, the changes that the studio requested. Yeah. So they wanted her to make changes to <clears throat> the script. And... But the studio is probably trying to make it good. Probably oh, like it. yeah, probably. Wow. Well, you can't, you can't, you can't fault Patty because the well, I yeah, can, you can. can. 
Yes, you can. But mm-hmm. the first the first Wonder Woman is a legit good movie. And good, but, but she didn't write it. I thought she did write oh. it. Didn't she yeah, write okay. it and direct it? No, she, she she just directed the first one. I think it was um um who was who's the guy that was in um involved with DC for the first one? Um Jeff Johns or uh No, I, I thought it was um I can't remember his name right now. Okay. Um but um no, it, it was a guy that wrote the first one. Oh, I didn't know that. Dave, huh. yeah, it was uh, either Dave. Yeah, I got you the internet or thing. Dave yeah, something. Let's see. I'm actually, I was just reading Patty's. She just tweeted a long response here. Really? What What did Patty so say? To, okay, this, this is someone that long, actually directed I'll you. To, she just tweeted this. It's 734. Okay. Sigh. I'm not one to talk about private career matters, but I will not allow inaccuracies to continue. Here are the facts. Wow. I originally left Rogue Squadron after a long and productive development process when it became clear it couldn't happen soon enough, and I did not want to delay Wonder Woman 3 any further. When I did, Lucasfilm asked me to consider coming back to RS after WW3, which I was honored to do, so I agreed. They made a new deal with me. In fact, I'm still on it, and that project has been an active development ever since. Okay. I don't know if it'll happen or not. We never do until the development process is complete, but I look forward to blah, blah, blah. When there started being backlash about WW3 not happening, the attractive clickbait false story that it was me that killed it or walked away started to spread. This is Mm. simply not true. I never walked away. I was open to considering anything asked of me. It was my understanding there was nothing I could do to move anything forward at this time. Blah, 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 blah. And then she thanks the fans and all that stuff. Interesting, and that's a, a yeah, fresh, fresh, uh, freshly tweeted statement by director Patty Jenkins herself. And I met Patty Jenkins, very nice, very kind, uh, during the our awesome mall scene. Vinny, you did the very mandatory. sweet lady, yeah. I met her very yeah. briefly, but she yeah. was super nice, and yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. actually like how the mall looked that one of the few things that were actually good about Wonder Woman 84. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sucks because I was so excited for Wonder Woman 84. That when that came out was that was that last Christmas it came December out. December 25th, 2020. Yes. 2020. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was so two years ago. Wow. Okay. So, um, yeah, I'm like an actual 80s film uh, starring Wonder Woman. I, I was down. I was. Yeah. yeah. Had a really great trailer with that great new. It started out with yeah. uh, Blue Monday. I remember yeah, that. One of the, the few songs that were even in the movie. That great trailer. Let me ask the 80s guy then, Chachi. I mean, if you yeah. could boil it down, what exactly went wrong? It was so much went wrong. Like, it was a bad, it was a bad story. The story didn't make any sense. You know, it was characters that didn't make any sense, and it was um, villains that didn't make any sense. Hmm. Um, and I haven't seen it in a couple of years now, so I don't remember every critique that I had a couple of years ago. But Plus, you were happy was, there was a lack of 80s music in it. Yeah, lack of 80s music, you know, like it had um had a score. Yeah. Obscure um um Frankie Goes to Hollywood song that um <laughs> was a decent song, but not anything anybody would really know that that mm-hmm. weren't like a super fan of the 80s. Right. But it, yeah, it's just a bad storyline, and she should never that that script should have never made it. She never seen the light of day, and mm. it was like a bad wow. first draft of a movie. Yeah. And the only thing I could think of um. It's because they wanted a woman to be the director and the writer of that movie. Um, yeah, and I see, I see that Alan Heinberg wrote the first one, and that's okay. that, that makes okay, a lot of okay. sense. He 
he's a super super talented writer and he's written comics before so yeah that makes around the the time it happened they started doing something in hollywood where they wanted like the um the director and the writers and stuff to match whatever the main star was in the movie so if it was like like a a black guy they wanted a black writer black director with a woman they wanted a woman writer woman director if it was hispanic you know, they want a Hispanic writer and director. They did that for Blue Beetle. Yeah, this is a Hispanic director. Yeah, if it was like a white man character, they wanted a minority um, director and writer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't, I don't, I don't know about had, that. A lot of I'm white directors. Sure what she ever, yeah, I, don't, I don't know what she ever like um, wrote before that, but I can't imagine like what she turned in for part three was any good. And, mm. you know, I'm surprised they even let her even write um, part three after... I mean, Wonder Woman 84 was almost universally um, panned, uh, you know, as a movie. Hey, it started out at 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. On the, having, on the first day. Yeah. On the first day, and then it, it, it start, slowly started to climb. Was that for the critic score or the audience score? That was critic score. On day one, the reveal, I remember looking I at the reveal, it was 94%. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, then it started then, its downward spiral, yeah, I guess. Right? Yeah. 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 But yeah, you know what? But a great video to watch. What's the guy's name? He does those pitch meetings on um, YouTube that he like um, takes a movie, kind of like picks it apart in like a pitch meeting. Ah, oh, okay. Is, uh, oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah, just type in Wonder Woman eighty four pitch meeting, and and you'll see all the stuff that didn't make sense in the movie that he um, <laughs> kind of picks apart on it in a funny okay. way. Yeah. But I mean, I, you know, I'm a big fan of um, Gal Gadot, and like I was hoping to see her again. And I think you're still going to see her again in some movie. And this, oh yeah. And I think they're still going to have a. Um, She'll still Wonder play Woman Wonder Woman. All right, I don't think she's going to play Wonder. I mean, aren't no, they? I think she will. Re- aren't they implying they're rebooting the DCEU? That's the thing. I read these rumors about first of all that Jason Momoa would be returning as Lobo instead of Aquaman, which <laughs> he does have the Lobo look. Well, like, he does have that look, yeah. But, Aquaman 2 is not even out yet. How can you reboot them already? Yeah. It's like, I, I don't know they, if this is true. And then the yeah, Sy- Snyderverse is done too, and they're not going to go further with anything that Zack Snyder did, even though that was pretty much um, positively reviewed for, by a lot of people. Yeah. Well, they they already had a problem with Ezra Miller, and they already had a. Um... Right. Exactly. And so. Ben Affleck wasn't coming back, and mm-hmm. I guess I guess they're implying that Henry Cavill's done too, even though he made that appearance in Black Adam. In Black Adam, yeah. What the hell? Well, like no, Henry, Superman movie though. No, no, no. Henry Cavill is confirmed because that's why that was one yeah. of the reasons why he didn't work out with The Witcher for the third season. Um, but um, yeah, he he will definitely be back because, uh, um, in fact, that's what uh, Dwayne Johnson demanded, but. I don't know what they're going to do with Black Adam now. Because well, I mean, you look at you look at the box office for Black Adam, and it's kind of a disappointment. They it yeah. only made 166 million, and I, I was surprised about that. Considering its budget was a lot more, right? Yeah. 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 That's the. No, I don't know how recent this. Uh, I, it was just like the first thing on Google, like right. Uh, yeah. But um. There's actually one more DC film before we we're going to take a Zod birthday cut before the Christmas cut. But uh, the last thing, they just uh, dropped a sneak peek photo of Joaquin Phoenix as Arthur Fleck. That's the Joker. Folly ado. This is the alternate universe or maybe even called the Black Label universe. Loosely, at least. 
Um, of course, he's going to be joined by Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn, Zazie Beetz as Sophie Diamond, Brennan Gleeson and Catherine Keener are also in the cast. And it was basically just a photo of Joaquin Phoenix shaving or being shaved. Um, so I don't know. Uh, not much to take from that uh, particular photo. We don't know much about the plot yet. Um, it but, does look uh, like he got down back down to the, the Joker weight, though. Yes. Which is pretty shocking. Mm-hmm. I was like, really? He, he did that again? Joaquin did the same thing that, like, uh, Christian Bale did. Yeah, yeah. But, like, again, place. I thought they were, like, you could just say he's in prison and he ate a lot of prison food or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, no. but I think it's messed up because now he's stealing work from anorexic actors. See? He's stealing those great roles. There you go. We Chachi, before you why, join. Why is that okay though? Because like you know, like the whale, like um. Like we were just Fraser. talking about the whale before you joined yeah, Chachi. They bash him for like stealing roles from fat actors. So, like. Yep. We just talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you act? I can't believe it. You're like, you should never. I mean, but it's okay for them to play like a plumber on on a movie or something like that, like um, like Mario. I yeah. Mean, and, and he has. And, and can he fucking unclog a toilet? I doubt it. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. It's very true. I have a clog toilet, you know, with my plumbing summer jobs, you know, as a, yeah. As a yeah. teen. You can clean the pipes. Sons of bitches. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. I think, I think we all can clog toilets pretty well. <laughs> Especially after Thanksgiving, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> I'll throw out one more thing because it's kind of related before we uh take the birthday cut from General Zod. It was about Batman. Um, I don't have Batman news, but it's, last week. um, can we talk about, um, you know, the, um, Michael Keaton Batman? I don't have any news on Keaton's Batman. Yeah, there's, well, did you guys talk about it last week? How they canceled a project with Michael Keaton Yeah. as Batman? Did you guys already talk about that? I, I don't have that. I don't have that article. Oh, we didn't, yeah, what what do you know Batman, about it? Um, oh, I'll let you say it, Josh, if you oh, want. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay, the, well, the movie? yeah. They just uh, they just uh, one of the one of the DC projects that they canceled was um, Michael Keaton was going to star as Bruce Wayne in a Batman Beyond movie. Right. And uh, that was canceled, which is, you know, kind of a that's a that's a big bummer because Batman Beyond was pretty awesome. But like uh, and that, so that that's seems... a sign they're not taking anything serious from the flashpoint where they're reintroducing the Batman. Michael. Yeah. Keaton, right? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. OK. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I wasn't, that's why I, that's why I was assuming that, yeah. that they're gonna, just going to do a hard reboot with the DC universe. Yeah. And yeah. they would definitely that would definitely follow par with the comics where DC like reboots like every 5 years. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's it's true. So it's like um I would like to see a loose reboot but not a total reboot. Of course, you know, yeah. with Henry Cavill staying and yeah. Gal Gadot, you know, obviously is our Wonder Woman, and you know they need to give Mike Michael Keaton. I mean, I feel like since the second he wrapped the dope sick, he's been tied up in these Batman projects that aren't even going to see the light of day. Batgirl well, being one of them, right? Point, yeah, they got to let the guy go. He doesn't have that many years left. Let him go act in projects that will actually be seen. I mean, it's getting ridiculous yeah. at this point. Well, let me yeah. tell you, if they wanted to make a ton of money, DC, and it's, it's got to be about money to an extent. Because they're losing money on a lot of projects. Right. Um, do a third um, Batman movie with Michael Keaton and have Tim Burton direct it, and just have it be a, a part three. You know, like um, you know, thirty years later or whatever it is. Um, you know, just make a shitload of money. Is you know, Billy? I'd definitely be there. They could have Billy D. Williams finally play Two Face. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow. Um, Batman, this, the uh, like the old Wayne age home version. Like the hospice a, version of Batman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think he wanted Marlon Wayans to play um, Robin. His third one. <laughs> All right, I'd watch it. Okay. Yeah. But but I, mean, I think like, Michael Keaton as Batman again would make a shitload of money. So I can't... I, I can't imagine DC canceling that for good, you know, unless these um, these two new guys are idiots who are running it now. Well, well James Gunn's not James an Gunn. idiot. I will say that. I don't know. What's the other guy's yeah. name? Uh, Peter, Peter Safran. Safran. Yeah, Peter Safran's yeah. the other head. Yeah. Yeah. We, we will see. We'll see how that goes. But one more thing I want to drop before we take uh, our first song break is John Cena and Jason Momoa, two DC stars, Aquaman and Peacemaker, Love are – are attached to starring a uh, action comedy called Killer Vacation. All right. So apparently details are under wraps, but apparently the pair met on the Fast and Furious film, and a lot of people said they had natural chemistry together. And I could see that being the case. They both seem like they have great personalities, you know, uh, very charismatic uh, guys and, and all the muscles that go with it. So, uh, and interesting, they're both in the DCU already, but um, yeah, Killer Vacation. Um, basically, um, it's going to be compared to True Lies, and uh, the script was written by Mark and Brian Gunn. I'm not sure if they're related to James Gunn, but um, and it's going to be produced by Peter Safran, as you know, who is uh, the heads of uh, of dc now and um yeah yeah that that will be a, a real fun thing to uh to watch the two of them in and uh yeah so uh i think this is right now is a good time to take uh first the birthday cut and general zod why don't you go ahead and introduce it okay well since uh since it's my birthday i originally had i gave al uh five different songs to choose from <laughs> and um uh, and uh, like uh, first, I'll say that uh, the songs that he did—it's so, so gritty. <laughs> the uh, the one of the songs that he didn't pick was this insanely weird '80s Persian pop song uh, called Madrasa, which is didn't like, pick it. Didn't pick it. Uh, sorry, that's one of my. One of my favorite 80s songs, um, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's like, it's like such a weird song, and it would remind me so much of like being a kid, my parents listening to it, and we going, Aww. us going to like these Iranian, like the Iranian community used to have these parties, and the song would always come on, and everyone would go do this like Iranian dance, and it was, so no, that wasn't picked. And, you're bringing back, you're bringing back so many memories for me right now, General. Uh, <laughs> taking me back. <laughs> the the other one that i was uh, i was half into uh half into doing was there's this uh you you guys know the song shimmy shimmy ya by old dirty bastard right obviously you sure do. yeah so yeah. there's this there's this kind of really really like acidic and subdued kind of subdued cover of it by this random americana band who called mountainhead and it's got this like uh you know like the famous like piano beginning um they do it with this like really kind of like futuristic sounding um like steel guitar and uh, they they sing it in like a whisper and it's such a freaking cool song so i didn't pick guys... that one either but let's let's talk let's throw out the one that you know, uh, let's throw out the one you picked now yeah I, okay let's throw uh, out the one now i picked I do see, okay. wait, wait, but now i do see why you and um black were friends because he's the king of obscurity and you're like the um <laughs> The prince, the prince of prince obscurity, of obscurity like that. Like yeah. 
Imagine, imagine so, these two are your birthday cuts that you wanted. <laughs> well, Zod, we got to throw out the song now because we're going to have a guest join. Okay, so okay. Throw okay, it okay, okay. Right. So this, uh, the song that we went with is not quite as obscure, but still indie. It's by the band LCD Sound System. And it's kind of a personal song for me because it's about, you know, kind of coming to terms of maturity, coming to a new chapter in your life and things like that, while still trying to keep your foot in your old life. And that really that really kind of resonated with me, especially on my birthday. So it's All My Friends. By it's about the guy. OK. Well, it's a great song. So it's a great song. So we're going to put we're going to play it right now, guys. And we'll be back. So that was Zod's classic cut, LCD Sound System. Um, but now we're actually uh, joined by our special guest of the evening. Um, he's an actor. Uh, I think he's from Columbia, Maryland, if I read correctly. But now he's uh, in the Big Apple. And uh, he's in this great film that I got to check out called 5,000 Blankets. And what a heartwarming uh, film uh, based on a true story. And... Uh, and uh, we, we have one of the actors joining us right now, uh, Ronald Woodhead. Thanks for joining us here on Below the Belt Show. Hey, Al. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Of course, Vinnie Mac is your buddy, Vince Eisenson. You guys worked on the uh, Four Corners uh, film, is what Vinnie was telling me. That's right. The legendary Four Corners. What's up, Ron? Good to see you. Hey, how are you doing, Vince? Nice I'm good, man. Yeah, thanks yeah. for coming on. This is crazy coincidence. Crazy coincidence. You're also joined by our, the birthday boy, Mike the General Zod, and my co-host extraordinaire, Chachi McFly, the king of the 80s. What's going on? Hey there. So I have uh, to ask, um, how did you get in contact with Amin? Amin contacted us, actually. Cool. <laughs> yeah, That's so... A- um. This is a very, very interesting and coincidental. We said at the beginning of our show, the PR people, uh, the great PR people from 5,000 Blankets contacted us to interview the director. And, of course, I was trying to get Anna Camp. Obviously, she's the star of the film and Pitch Perfect. But but we can get you the director and the subject, Cindy. I guess Anna wasn't available. But, uh, Ronald, we're actually going to be playing that pre-recorded interview of the director, Amin, of your film, after uh, your segment so we figured why not bring in someone that's actually uh in the film um preceding that and here on the podcast below the belt show uh you know live here on below the belt show but uh yeah yeah um it was a great interview with amin um and uh you know what um i think it's fantastic that that the film has made the ways it has uh, I know that it's in theaters uh, for a limited release, and then it'll hopefully be on streaming platforms. But uh, Ron, Ron, how how were you, and how did you get involved with the film? How was the audition process for Five Thousand Blankets? So I actually read for three different roles. Um, none of yeah, none of them were the roles. The role that I actually ended up getting, um, one of them was like the shelter worker, uh, the morgue attendant, and like one other role. 
and it was through Actors Access, it was like a regional breakdown. Oh, and nice. um, I have family in Little Rock and Fayetteville where they actually filmed. Ah. And okay, so it wasn't so in Texas. I thought it, it was in Texas. Okay. No, so it's set for Fort Worth, but it's actually it was filmed in Fayetteville, Arkansas, which apparently oh but like it's a smaller hub, but it's apparently they're growing a little bit. Like they, they do have a few side projects that come through uh northwest Arkansas. Hmm. So Okay. Oh, yeah, wow. Northwest yeah. Arkansas is like really cosmopolitan from what I've read because that's where Walmart's headquarters is. So they have a lot of money there. They, they built this, apparently, they built like a studio, I think, uh, recently, or they're building it uh, in that area. So, I mean, that's great. I More chances for me to go visit family. And so I, I like that. Mm-hmm. So, you, what you're saying is it's actually possible to book real parts off actors access is that what you're saying <laughs> isn't that crazy isn't that crazy yeah i know <laughs> I they like should have you be their poster boy now yeah. oh man that, that's, uh, that, yeah that is fantastic now yeah. tell us a little bit about your character now the now you booked the the, the uh, role which i'm sure you're ecstatic because you're working with mentioned. anna camp which you know uh, that was I mean, really he doesn't cool, love this perfect yeah um, you know, I, I saw her in True Blood, and I really enjoyed that. Yes. Um, she also has a really good film called Gear Wild, um, where she gets, like, I feel like she doesn't get enough credit, honestly. She's often typecast, I think, a lot, and I think that she has, she, she plays so many different types of roles. She's so talented. I think she's very much underappreciated, in my opinion, but anyway. Um... I don't think I answered your question. Your role. Let's talk about oh, your role. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, um, uh, Amin had originally, like, when they, when it was, when the producer, actually, when he put out the breakdown, like, when Cassie put out the breakdown, um, it was originally 40s to 50s, uh, yeah, with, like, facial hair. And I auditioned for all those other roles. I auditioned clean-shaven, and I'm, you know not 40s to 50s so <laughs> um it was really nice for him to kind of take a chance on me and and let me do something completely different than i've ever done before right. um i and you mentioned i know really nice yeah that no that's always an honor and i know you told me something like there was a name but now it's kind of a it's a mystery Arthur does have Yes. Um, oh <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, I can't it's basically. Yeah, I mean, no, no, yeah, it's, it's it's fine. Um, yes. You, yes, that you is true. Mention, <laughs> you can mention that your your character was, was indeed a homeless person, correct? Right. Right. Which and I love the the film is so timely right now with everything that's happened, especially after the pandemic. Um. It, it deals a lot with, with mental health, uh, with homelessness. Right. And you just see so much of that. At least I definitely do here in the city. And I, when I went down to film, I was so surprised how many tents I would see along the, the, the highway of just people living out um, in tents. Like, it was, it was a lot. in Los Angeles and San Francisco and every major city across the across the u.s 
yeah, it's uh, so you stole from... you stole the role from someone who actually was living in a tent. Right. Is that what you're saying? Well, fun fact. So they uh, the extras, the homeless extras on the film mm-hmm. were they're real homeless. Uh, real homeless. Oh, yeah. that's great! Wow. Wow. So they, they pay Did them. they get the SAG rate for background at least? <laughs> uh, I think. I think <laughs> our so I'm sure they could have used the money, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They, yeah. They were they were paid extras, so like, and it's it's crazy because like you have that authenticity in the film. Right. Totally. Um. But yeah. So that's great. I'm I'm really. Yeah, and that's a big part of the title of the film. Five thousand blankets is basically what the two protagonists the mother and son did uh when they saw all these homeless people while searching for their lost um dad well the kid's dad and the the, the woman's um husband and by encountering all these these homeless people um when it's cold weather and people need blankets they decided to to uh, do something good and 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 humanitarian and and try to um, collect as many blankets as they can they could and and hand them out to the homeless, which you know during that time was a very very um, very noble thing to do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So um again a very 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 cool film and uh, a heartwarming um and you know I was talking to the director Amin um even though it wasn't a Christmas movie per se they did allude to Christmas in in the film um because it was close to christmas time and i thought that you know that was interesting even though they didn't market it as a christmas film but we are in the christmas season this is our christmas sh- one of our christmas shows um so yeah we could call it a christmas film it's like that it's like die hard right is die hard a christmas <laughs> film or not you know so Rob Mays, who played anna camp's husband who went through, he had like ptsd and like was going all through those mental health battles um so he saying like you know, i mean he's a musical artist like he he's he sings We've and he did three songs yeah. and one of them is actually christmas like themes so right yeah so you you could classify this this is, would go yeah, under the die hard it's christmas sort of so. maybe because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people want to say that die hard is a christmas movie but i don't know that's yeah that's, well according to uh, i mean some article where the screenwriter declared it's definitely a christmas movie and he's definitely not motivated by wanting residuals when it airs every christmas that's not the motivation <laughs> <at all. laughs> yeah so hey if you can make a christmas movie make yeah. it and th- this sounds like a christmas yeah. movie to me i can't wait yeah. to see it that sounds yeah that's the way uh i i want to say uh, a mean it was so like he made you feel so welcome on set, like just very encouraging. Um, he's a really, really cool guy. I have to say. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Met him virtually, and I, I definitely have to say the same thing for sure. That that is tremendous. So now I know that they have a limited th- um, theater run on the twelfth and thirteenth. Where will it be available to view after? I want to say Pure Flix. I'm not sure 100%. I don't. I I believe so. It's Pure Flix. I'm not sure. There might be some streaming services that'll snap it up. Other streaming services like as well. But um, I believe it's on Pure Flix. All right. Going forward after the release. Cool. 
Very cool. Now, now one thing uh, Vince um, made aware to me is that um, you guys met on um, the Four Corners independent film. Is that correct? <laughs> correct. That's correct. And, First and, SAG ever. Right. Wow. And and another um, person associated with that film, Scott, uh, is now in the film Cocaine Bear. And yes. and I was wondering, maybe oh, that gosh. independent film has launched so many stars and careers. The three of you, you know, <laughs> that's crazy. We got Cocaine Bear Ranger. We got your, Ronald Woodhead from 5,000 Blankets. And we have Vinnie Mac from Billions and Wonder Woman 1984. So, I mean. And the director of that film and writer is, is he's he's working his way up. He's going to wow. be big. Yeah. He's, he's been all uh, over the Marvel I wish universe. I auditioned for Four Corners. I'd have you a better audition. career. <laughs> you auditioned for a different Four Corners, but that's a, uh, that's yeah. a whole other story. <laughs> the project works. Like, obviously, I can't say anything about, yeah. you know, that because it's still, like, um, there's still, you know, post-production. But um, from what he's... I'm very excited. I'm very excited for Matt, the director of Four Corners. He is freaking phenomenal really phenomenal oh yeah and um he's down in atlanta right now working on a lot of really like insane sets like um the avengers and what like he did yeah like he a worked lot on of the, and i think the entire uh, he worked on the one division as well Everybody came from this Four Corners film, and then that's just wild. And of course, let's, let's not forget Cocaine Bear. We mentioned Scott; he's in that opening trailer. Yeah. One of the actors he, from he has the first. Yeah, he has the first uh, like line in the trailer. Yeah. I <laughs> wow. I can't wait to see Cocaine Bear, there. man. I just now that's all like your film Five Thousand Blankets. That's actually based on a true story. As well, but it's a, a complete like like stretch of that story. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. the cocaine uh, actually killed the bear that ingested all that cocaine, but this cocaine bear went on a rampage. He has like a vendetta. Right. So. Yeah, that's a big difference in the story. <laughs> it was bad coke. Story. If you give a bear bad coke, he's going to come after you. That's right. That's <laughs> you get ripped off. Yep. <laughs> That's cool. This is flower, motherfucker. <laughs> Ronald, what other um, claims to fame do you have on your acting resume that you can promote or things coming up? Um, so, uh, you know, like I've I've got to be a part of you know like small small stuff on like big projects. Like I had a really fun time doing Hunters. I got to be in three episodes of that. I Again, loved like I said, like, that show. I loved that show. That was and and you were you were you were quite the quite the. Uh, you remember I this? Role. I do. Well, I did have to. I did have to remind myself. But like once I saw like who you were, it's like I remember your character. Your character was eminently, and I mean this in the best way, was such a hateable motherfucker <laughs> in yeah, that yeah, show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. No, that's that's the best compliment. I appreciate that. Oh, wow. thank you very much. Uh, hey, he was one of the nicer Nazis. Come on, I think yeah. I'm just remembering. He was one of the nicer ones. Yeah, they got one more season. Um, I think in 2023, January. right? Yeah. The second season. Yeah. Uh, this is January 13th. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Very cool. So. That'd be cool. And and uh, do we expect uh, you to be in um, season two? Uh, 
I am not in season two. Okay. Uh, I, yeah. Um, Can we say that in season one, if anybody watched to the end, you would know that oh, yeah. Ron yeah. doesn't do too well at the end of yeah. season one? Yeah, Ron's, well, yes. Ron's, unless, unless there's a flashbacks, he's not coming back. For oh, season. I get it now. <laughs> no, that <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> yes. Wow. So I realized, well, actually, never mind. Unless there's a I, well, actually, no, we've already alluded to it. Um, I I have been shot, blown up in a car. I have been, I died of the elements, died of yellow fever. Jesus. I have, I, I got blown up somewhere. Oh, I got blown up in a plane. I don't know why I die so much. <laughs> you're so sympathetic you're you know people would actually care if you died i think that's why and i guess we can't reveal about your fate in five thousand blankets can we that's for no. the that's for the viewers, uh, the viewers. Yeah. oh wow sure. all right but let's leave that for uh the viewing audience so we don't spoil too much but uh yeah, yeah no your character you you run up to anna camp's car and you knock on the window right yeah that was a very very important scene, and you actually have a very pivotal scene uh, towards uh, the latter half, right? Yes. Right? I Is do. that fair to say? Yes. Okay. <laughs> very pivotal yeah, scene, let's right. just say, without spoiling anything. So, well, Ronald, wow, this is great, man. We, we really appreciate you chatting uh, here on Below the Belt Show. We're going to be going directly into the interview with Amin uh, Matalka. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that name correctly. Hopefully I am. And Sydney Saunders, the uh, the actual subject that Anna Wait. Camp plays. Yeah, she's uh, on the interview as well. So, uh, again, a fantastic film. Great cast. Um, the child actor was great, too. Carson Minier, who played Philip. Um, Rob Mays, you know, the rest of you guys uh, did fantastic. Cindy Hogan. Um, yeah, fantastic job by everybody involved with the film. Of course, FathomEvents.com, I believe, is is a website to check out more on the uh, the film's uh, um, you know uh, theaters where where the the film is available for viewing. So uh, wow, Ronald, we thank you so much for joining us on BTV. Uh, why don't you uh, let us know who you are? Throw out a plug for Five Thousand Blankets, Hunters, whatever, and then let us know you're on Below the Belt Show. Thank you so much, Al. I really appreciate appreciate you having me. Well, I was wondering if you could do a promo and just let us know who you are. Throw out a plug for uh, 5,000 Blankets. Like, this is Ron Woodhead. I'm from this and that. And you're on Below the Belt Show. Hi, this is Ronald Woodhead. I'm from 5,000 Blankets. And you are on the Below the Belt Show. Nice. And watch him in Hunters on Amazon. Yes, everybody watch season one of Hunters because people get residuals for that, even if they're barely in it. <laughs> <laughs> or so I hear. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Ronald. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thank All you right. very See much. See you, buddy. Yeah. Woo. Ronald Woodhead, guys. 5,000 Blankets. Again, a great film that you guys should check out. And Zod, we have to give you two cuts because it is the Christmas season. <laughs> you get to pick the second classic cut. And this song was actually in the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Yeah? Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. What, what can you tell us about the song selection here? Okay, so with this one, um, it's it's you know kind of uh, continuing with the theme of the other songs in the um, you know the other song that we did tonight. Um, 
this band, uh, who is a fantastic one of my, you know, been a, a favorite of mine for years, the and have been around for a long time, and how old is even in their name? They they <laughs> they, they do a uh, they do a really really uh, they do a really really hilarious performance on the show, you know, completely in alien makeup and everything, and they ask one, uh, you know, a fundamental question for the season, and that's. Uh, I don't know what Christmas is, but Christmas time is here. Great song, guys. So when we get back, we will talk about our special topic. And, oh, it's the old 97s, by the, the way. Old, that's and, right, the old 97s. I don't know what Christmas is. From the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special soundtrack. And when we get back, special topic, best and worst Christmas gifts, Golden Globes, noms, and a couple more TV things. And we'll be back right here on BTB. Santa is a furry freak with epic superpowers. He flies to every human home in under 14 hours. He's a master burglar, a pro at picking locks. If you don't leave milk and cookies out, he will put dung in your socks. All right. Special interview time here on Below the Belt Show. We're so happy to have here on the show the director of this fine, heartwarming film, 5,000 Blankets. We have Amin Metallica. hope I pronounced that okay. Absolutely. Good job. <laughs> and we have Cindy Bunch, who is the actual person that Anna portrays, Anna Camp portrays in this wonderful film. Thanks so much for joining us here on uh, this interview. Thank you for having us. Yes. I watched the film and wow, again, like I said, heartwarming um, and also uh, a great film for the holidays. Um, And I noticed that you didn't kind of push the Christmas part of the film, but there were some references to Christmas in the film. So would you call this a Christmas film? Not necessarily. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it culminates in Christmas, but certainly it's a, it's a year-round film, but yeah, the third act is totally uh, set in Christmas time. But it's yes. not a, it's not a Hallmark Christmas movie. It's more of a grounded. I think uh, you could watch it at any time of the year, probably. I don't know. It's up to the viewer. It's up to the viewer. Yes, yes. All right. Well, first of all, tell us how you got the uh, Anna Camp involved. Obviously, uh, an amazing actress from the Pitch Perfect franchise and many other great projects. And uh, and I saw at the end credits, Cindy, you actually. Uh, met Anna Camp. You guys uh, had a nice little hug. So, uh, oh, yes. Cindy, yeah, how, was, how, how did you feel that Anna portrayed you personally? I personally, I don't think they could have picked anybody better. There's just no way. Yeah, I could tell you when, when I met um, Anna, we, we went, to, you know, when she read the script, she said, yeah, let's, I'll, I'll have a meeting with you. And um they sent me out and uh, we had uh, a coffee and instantly we just jived like this it was like uh, we were high-fiving we're like yeah we're, we see the same movie we didn't want to make something that's preachy or didactic we wanted to tell a human story she loved the script right and it was really the script that won her over and then i uh, gave her the confidence that we're going to make a movie that is respectful to the audience's intelligence and just make a character story. And I didn't know anything about the real Cindy, Cindy Bunch. Like, I didn't know what you were like, you know, what you looked like or what you were like. 
Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I, you know, as far as I was concerned, uh, we had the character on the page. And then when Anna got involved, she gave her life in a in such an honest and beautiful way and had moments of humor where we wanted and moments of struggle and internal um, triumph uh, through the whole journey. Um, she was wonderful to work with and just amazing off screen and on screen. And really, like I remember shooting some scenes, some scenes we were shoot, we shoot one take. We had no time, you know, it was a 17 day shoot and Anna would just land it perfectly. Sometimes we do for first take was perfect second take just to try something a little bit different but we were able to move very fast because of her just amazing just she's the real deal the real pro yeah absolutely true professional so i was curious cindy how much of the film obviously the the film is based on actual events but were there any aspects that were not factual i mean for for obviously for uh, film reasons and entertainment reasons things are a little bit different but or is everything pretty much exactly what you experienced? Well, they, they, they kind of changed some scenes. Um, they changed some scenes, but they're actually kind of the scenes, if that makes sense. Okay. Does that make sense? There, at all? there are some dramatizations that become a little bit enhanced, like there's the fire, enhanced, which was yes. a, 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 a new element to, to kind of escalate in the condensed time that you give the movie uh in the hour and a half hour 40 minute uh, time you gotta condense escalate the drama a little bit so we added the thought you know i don't want to spoil anything but there's a big fire that happens and and so that's fictional as far as i know that's fictional right cindy no it's not fictional but it didn't happen that way it happened another way yeah okay yeah the way it the way it's portrayed in the film is yeah and uh but we tried to kind of capture the essence of her journey in a way that was compelling to the audience without being too far from the truth yeah that that's that's amazing to hear of how uh similar that is and of course yes you have to make some uh changes to to for for movie purposes i'm guessing um very very cool uh so let's talk about some of the the other elements uh cindy because uh you were dealing with now just a quick synopsis for those uh that haven't seen the film or haven't read about it yet um Cindy, you were dealing with your husband that went missing and he was suffering from mental illness and you mm-hmm. pretty much go on a hunt for uh, to find him with your son and mm-hmm. encounter um, some uh, homeless folks on the way that kind of take you into a sub story of, of creating the blankets. But in essence, that was kind of uh, pivotal and for you uh, locating uh, your husband eventually down the road. Uh, tell us about your experience. I mean, as far as the actual events, because you actually lived these events that we saw. When Philip was five and a half, um, five and a half, almost six going into first grade is when his father started disappearing. He got off his medications. He's, he was diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic and he quit taking his meds and, and they do that. All mentally people do mentally ill people do that from time to time. And, um, he got off his meds and just started disappearing. And he was working in downtown Fort Worth. He was a construction engineer. And the homeless district is two blocks away from where he was working. So Philip and I would go looking for him. Um, and we just started looking in the homeless district. And uh, my my son had never seen anything like that. But I had never seen anything like that before. 
And um, of course, Philip had not either. And it was just, um, it was Philip that actually started this whole ball rolling. It, it turned into Philip's wish. It was a wish he had to warm up people. He wanted, he wanted to find his father, but he saw things out there that touched him in a way where he wanted to make it to where I'm going to find my father and I'm going to make sure these people are warm. And basically he asked me a question one night and he, he asked me if I was warm when I was tech. We had been out all day looking for his dad. And he asked me if I was warm that evening as I was tucking him into bed. And I told him that I was. And then he asked me, do you think daddy's warm? Whoa. And I said, I hope, I hope he is. And he goes, well, mom, what about all those other people that we saw? All those other people that are in the tents and living in the boxes and laying on the ground. Do you think they're warm? And I basically just told him the truth. No, honey, they're not warm. And he says, well, then we need to get lots and lots of blankets so we can warm them all up. And that this child did not stop. He did not stop. He brought wow. me his tea bank and there was $7.20 in it. He says, go buy blankets. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't have money. I'm living in poverty myself <laughs> right now, living with my mom. And it was just like, okay. And he didn't stop every day. Every day it just went on. And finally, I just said, okay, this is it. This is Philip's wish. Wow. And I just I, I typed this letter and it told our whole story, everything. I mean, raw, beautiful, the whole, basically what you see on the screen. And um, I handed out a thousand copies. I stood on the, <laughs> on the streets of downtown Fort Worth and everybody that walked by, I put it in their hands. And I said, take this, take this. I, th I know they thought I was some kind of crazy nut job woman. Uh, because I was shy and I didn't yeah. go into any detail and nobody asked me anything. And um, a reporter somehow got a copy of it. And he called me up and he said, I'd like to have you come to a segment on our TV station. Would you be interested in doing that? And I'm like, Heck, yeah, of course, I, would. I, I need to get these 5,000 likes. So we did a segment when Philip was seven, five and a half years old. And it landed in the hands of a screenwriter. He saw it on TV and he called me and he said, I'd like to um, write um, a screenplay about your life. And I was, I didn't really think much about it, to be honest with you. And I'm just like, okay. So he called me the next day. He said, hey, can we meet for coffee? And I'm like, sure. And so we went for coffee and um, the rest is history. Yes, and so that screenplay is written. So, I mean, how did you get involved to direct the film um, once you uh, read the screenplay, I'm guessing? Yeah, uh, the producer, Doug Schaefer, and I go way back. We went to AFI together, and the screenwriter who ultimately re uh, wrote the, f the final uh, script, uh, Matt Antonelli, was also uh, one of our classmates. So uh, they had been developing the movie over at Sony for eight years, I think, or maybe even 10 years by now. And... Um, and they sent me the script. They said, hey, uh, this movie is greenlit, uh, almost greenlit. We basically want to make it this year. And so I came in late into the game and read the script. And it was like a page turner. You know, it just flowed very beautifully. And it was very moving and compelling. Wow. And it was a story of human struggle. It was it, it reminded me of Rocky in many ways. It's like somebody who keeps getting beat up by life. And they're like, I'm not I don't feel sorry for myself. I'm going to pick myself up and just keep going 
and uh and um and uh yeah and then i basically signed on and once i came on board it was moving at full throttle it was you know we we did the whole pre-production in a month and shot the movie in 17 days and wow and 17 days to shoot a feature quickly. wow yeah it was, it was the the quickest uh the quickest movie i've shot wow that's amazing um time management there yeah um and Cindy, uh, what what did you think of uh, the actors that portrayed uh, Philip and Bobby? And that's Carson and Rob Mays. And actually interviewed Rob Mays uh, a few years ago, interestingly yeah. enough. He's How did man. you feel that they portrayed um, your oh, son man. and husband? And um, uh, did they meet them as well? Oh, I met them. The cast, I, I we couldn't have asked for a better cast. The cast was absolutely amazing and when you you know when because I got to be on set and when you're on set you know you're kind of like oh my gosh I was kind of really nervous it's like oh my gosh this is Hollywood these people are going to look at me like I'm less than that was in my mind of -hmm. course and how am I going to measure up to these people but I tell you what I have never felt so loved so loved by that whole cast the crew the director, the writers, everybody just embraced me. And it just, it was just beautiful. It was like a God thing. It was like God ordained this. Mm-hmm. I mean, to down to the every little scene. I mean, I had to actually walk away from one scene because wow. it hit so close to home. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't stay in Overwhelming. There. Yeah. Overwhelming yeah. emotion. Yeah. Yes. What's interesting is when we cast um, uh, Carson, uh, I didn't know anything about like what, what the real Philip looked like, but his audition just blew, blew me away. I was like, this kid is special. Actually, I just posted his audition on social media because it was so compelling. Oh, good. Yeah. And his face was just like, it was like, there were all these kids who did these auditions and then there was Carson. And I was like, this, this is, this kid is a, a, a very special. And uh, actually, you know, Judd, Judd Hirsch, the actor did a movie with him called Rally Caps. And I just saw this thing that they were oh, at the nice. premiere for the movie or a, a screening for the movie. And Judd Hirsch sneaks up to the reporter interviewing Carson. He says, this is a, a, a shrunken 65 year old. <laughs> Cause he's a, he's a little <laughs> man. He's like a little kid. He's 10. Uh, but he has the soul and the, the old the, soul. See, oh, he was amazing. Yeah. And seeing him yeah. with Anna, how they jived was very seamless. And then him and um, and uh, Rob, who plays his father, really instantly, you know, we, we didn't have much time to rehearse. So they bonded instantly. And uh, back to your earlier point, um, and then did realize, like, he actually looks a lot like the real uh Philip, uh, and they did exactly get if you put them yeah. side by side in pictures at that age, they look exactly the same. It's That's something else is a little Easter egg in the movie that last scene at the diner. Uh, the first person to cross frame is the real Philip, so he's in the movie oh, as well. That's background, so yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. He's, he's he's he carries the camera, and we find them sitting together. So there's a little oh, Easter egg. Wow. And Cindy is in the movie too, shelving some stuff and putting bags. So yes, you got to put them in cameos. They were nervous. One thing your, I want to say, you get Rob, your SAG waiver from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Rob Mays also did uh, the. He's also a country singer, and he did a lot yes. of homework of his own. And he three of his songs are in the movie as well. Yeah, he's fantastic. And, it was great having him and the the level of uh, depth he gave the character with so little dialogue, you know. That is amazing. So 
we reached that time, sadly, but um, we know that we can check out um, 5,000 Blankets. Um, you can go to fathomevents.com. Uh, you have a screening on December 12th and December 13th in about 700 theaters, correct? 800 Eight? theaters. 800, 800 yeah. theaters. Yeah. Fantastic. And growing. Check it. Check out the film at a city near you. And in addition, what is the plans after the two-day theater run uh, streaming platform? Perhaps not till next year. Yeah, it okay. will be. But but this is exclusively theatrical at the moment. So okay, please come out to the to the big screen, see it, and with a communal experience, this is the way to see small movies. Yes. And I I promise there will be emotion and some tears to bring Kleenex. <laughs> well, you got me for sure. There was <laughs> you got my emotions all like and I'm trying not to cry in public now. You know, <laughs> but uh, anyways, wow! Thanks so much, Amin and Cindy. Thanks um, and we always like to close out the interview by a promo. Let us know who you are. Uh, let us know your your film and uh, let us know you're on Below the Belt show. Okay, um, I'll start. Uh, I'm Amin Metalka, the director of 5,000 Blankets, and we are on the Below the Belt show. Well, I'm Cindy Bunch with Philip's Wish, and um, just want to say how humbled I am to be on um, Below the Belt show. <laughs> Did I get that right? And I look forward to uh, everybody getting out and watching this beautiful, beautiful film, 5,000 Blankets. Fantastic. Wow. What a film, guys. Thank you, thank you so much uh, thank for, you. for joining us here uh, on this interview. And thank you so much, Ashley, for setting it up. Thank you. All right. Um, so that was the classic cut, guys. Um, the Christmas classic cut chosen by Mike the General Zod. Yeah, soon to be a Christmas classic that we'll hear every year because who doesn't love the fact of finding dung in your socks or <laughs> if you're on the naughty list, Santa sends missiles to your toes. So. <laughs> yes. And of course, if you're seeing my virtual background, yes, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is one to watch, guys. It's it's going to put you in the Christmas spirit, so I highly recommend it. It's fantastic, fantastic, fun stuff, guys. All right, so we got some uh, Hollywood stuff. Um, but I thought, you know, before we get into the Hollywood stuff, we, why don't we throw out our special topic of the week, right? Um, and I think we were supposed to get this last week, and then we ended up doing another special topic about, you know, models today versus back in the day. But um, since we're in the Christmas spirit and it is our Christmas show, let's go around the room and talk about the best and the worst Christmas gifts <laughs> you've ever received. Mm. Uh, let's start with, uh, since Zod, you are the master of improv and you can come up with stuff uh, on the spot. Okay. What is the best and worst you've received? Well, I can, I can tell you a fun story about the worst I've received. Although I may have told the story before, so on here. So if I have, then um, feel free to stop me. No one the... remembers either way. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> So um, when I was super young, like uh, as 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 uh, most people on the show know, I, you know, I um, I immigrated here from uh, from Iran when I was super young, when I was like um, when I was two. We moved to the, the U.S. when I was two. And um, <clears throat> so like when I was like four or five, like when I was starting to actually come into like you know a an awareness as to what like american culture was and everything like that um 
I came home, uh, you know, it was around Christmas time and I asked my parents about like, um, you know, why we didn't have a Christmas tree. And my parents were, you know, my parents, God bless them, you know, they didn't really, you know, they're, you know, immigrants and they, you know, trying to keep a hold of their of their original culture, but still want to make sure that I, uh, I, you know, get get a little something to like, you know, to assimilate myself. Well, they they both they, they have this according to what my mom told me later, they had this kind of like moment of panic and my mom made my dad run out and this is like um december 23rd or maybe christmas eve <laughs> run out and get a christmas tree so he runs out and he gets this gets this tiny ass um this tiny ass tree from you know like a 7-eleven or whatever the the uh, the closest uh, analog back then was and uh so he puts it down and then i and I see the tree, and it's just literally a bear tree. <laughs> and, uh, like a Charlie Brown tree. Almost, yeah, right? and, and and I ask, so where where are the where are the you know where are the lights and the balls and the uh, the tinsel and things like that? So my mom <laughs> makes my dad run out again and and buy like uh, buy some ornaments to put on it. And so like uh, this must have been before Christmas Eve because I think a day or so goes by. And then it's Christmas Eve. And uh, then, you know, I go to my parents and I'm like, so where are the boxes? <laughs> you know, meaning the presents that are underneath the tree. Yeah. And so... <laughs> <laughs> and 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 bless uh the thing about this my parents were like both in like these heavily heavily um heavily heavily strenuous like um graduate programs and we're both working like insane hours and so like they didn't have time for this shit they could barely you know they were <laughs> barely keeping afloat so they um so but my mom uh like makes my dad go out and get a bunch of boxes <laughs> and and so there's a bunch of boxes and they're wrapped boxes <laughs> underneath wow. the tree just empty boxes. so chris's warning comes around <laughs> and i'm all excited and i and i go down and i go and open a box and it's totally empty <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then I open another box. Just like your dreams. Oh, totally empty. Like those Christmas displays at the mall. There's really yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, my dad must have got it from one of those. And that, that, my friends, is my very first memory of Christmas. <laughs> and and the worst one probably. Right? <laughs> the very very first. That that is uh, General Zod's first Christmas right there. Wow. 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 Would that qualify Aww. as your worst gift received? Probably, but it's but a, empty box. Yeah, but, it, but it winds up being a fun story, so maybe yeah. it's the best one. And you got to admire the spirit there. I mean, yeah. Yeah. you know the intentions were there. Yeah, your parents yeah. trying yeah. to show you a nice I mean, of Christmas. course, the intentions were all performative, obviously, because <laughs> he didn't, like, actually put anything in the... Because, they, I mean, they're, they were still adults, and they were living in the U.S., so they had some ideas to what Christmas was. Right. Oh, and, wow. And, do you have a do you have a best Christmas gift received ever? Um, you know maybe uh, well this one's um, you know what it's not exactly on Christmas but my son was born in December so it's that's that's kind of a cool gift. Oh well, there you Boo. go. 
Ah, <laughs> you should probably be with that. Come on, Josh. No, that's great. That's awesome. that, is, that is a great thing. All right, let's move on to Vinnie Mac. Vinnie Mac, what's your best and worst Christmas gifts ever? Oh, wow. Uh, best is going to have to be the Sega Genesis. I mean, I didn't expect Oh, okay. Any... I take it back. I did get a Sega Genesis one Christmas. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I, I mean, yeah. that you can't top that. And And it was the way it was done. There wasn't one under the tree or in the Santa pile. And there, I went to go open a card or something, and I remember hearing bells outside, and I ran out to the porch, and there was a box there, and there was a Sega with Sonic, and maybe Jet, not Jetmoto. I think it was just Sonic, whatever came with Sega, and that was amazing. Couldn't mm-hmm. top that. Um, worst, I feel so bad saying a worst. Okay, there's but, something uh, one to return, I know. There's, There's got to be. No, the, well, it wasn't actually... It was around Christmas, but it was some guy. I was in some confirmation class because I had to do confirmation because I was half Methodist, half Jewish, whatever. So no bar mitzvah, but I got confirmed. And then your like sponsor has to give you this big gift. And he was like, he gave this whole speech about what a big sports card collector I was and how much I loved baseball cards and basketball cards. Sure. And he gives me this gift and it's wrapped and has all these baseballs on it. And I'm like, well, these are going to be some amazing baseball cards. And it was like an opera CD. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and I like had to open it in front of uh, all these people and like really <laughs> fake enthusiasm. Fake, like, yes, exactly, oh, yes. <laughs> but you know, I'm sure it was a great CD, and he meant well, I guess. I, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, let's go to Ronald. Ronald, uh, what is your best and worst Christmas gifts received? So it's funny because my best is also a console it was the super nintendo so when i was like five i got uh me and my brother my older brother we got a uh, super nintendo console which we like still have it still works amazingly enough whoa um so that's really fun i, I haven't really had any other i'm not like a huge huge gamer like i i have an xbox like original that i play but um yeah I have those two like i love classic games so like that was definitely my best and then worst. Um. Okay. Do you? I don't know if you guys remember. So there were like these like easy bake oven type things, but it was like bugs. Like you would bake these like bugs. Like they weren't like <laughs> no. living bugs. We don't remember that. But it was like bugs. <laughs> that, that sounds would, like, like that sounds like one of those like alternate universe like cables channels on Rick and Morty when they would do something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yes. But that, that's like worse was, than um empty open box like general over there. Yeah. Yeah. Or they get an empty box and get like bugs in an oven. That's like such a random is, combination of things. Now I'm like yeah. really fascinated by this. I would re- I got to find out what these things are. So it's like you it's like this like um gel or something kind of slime whatever and it you put it you put it in the oven and it like kind of cooks so it solidifies and it just emits this disgusting smell of like burning plastic oh so Whoa. so so it's like it's like, like a, my like kind of cereal yeah yeah it's, sorry it's like my little mad scientist or like you know yes yeah something like that yes and Which you want like you didn't tent, want this like like well I liked bugs, but like I didn't like burning plastic and like I don't know. It was like the smell was just weird. Like I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if it was like edible, but like edible, like 
baked bug treats, that would be cool. Yeah. Edible that baked bug treats. Okay, very cool. All right. <laughs> oh, I just um, found it. It's, it's called Creepy Crawlers Real Molding. Yes, Creepy Crawlers. <laughs> yes, Creepy Crawlers. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Um, Chachi McFly, you, 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 um, you're a Christmas connoisseur, and, and you have a... Uh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> yes, I know you have some best um, gift and worst gift uh, that you've received over gift, the years. Yeah, worst gift. Um, back when I was a kid, you know, I was super into Star Wars and, like, getting any kind of Star Wars action figure that I could. Like, um, you know, we didn't have a ton of money when I was a kid, but, like, you know, Christmas time, I, you know, we would usually get spoiled. And I remember asking my grandmother for like a Star Wars action figure, and I like I didn't have that many, so like it was pretty open with the uh, you know the different kinds she could have bought, you know. But she didn't know shit about Star Wars. And I remember like in people who were kids, you remember the the shape of the Star Wars um, action figures were they were they three inches action figures or whatever they were. Yeah, um, yeah. The little small old school ones, and like I remember ripping it open. You know, hoping to see like Luke Skywalker or Han Solo or somebody cool, and I remember getting fucking Lobot. Which which one was Lobot? Lobot was the character with with, with little looked like headphones. Oh, right? from yeah. from Empire, from Empire. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and like he's um, the one that was always available too, right? Yeah. He, well, it must have been the only one on the shelf that the grandmother grabbed, and she didn't know who the hell it was, and she she didn't know who the fuck Luke <laughs> Skywalker you know, was. You know who my my first Star Wars action figure was was the Lobot Man. Walrus Man, <laughs> from the from the first one. So, I, and but I was, see, I always felt bad for those lesser characters that I didn't think anybody wanted. So I would have been yeah. kind of happy to get. Yeah, fuck those characters. Yeah. Because when you're, story. oh snap, okay. Too much when you're a kid, <laughs> when you're a kid and you're trying to like be cool and you're trying to like play with your friends and you're gonna like bring out your action figures to play with their action figures, or whatever. You don't want to fucking bust out a robot. <laughs> you know, I didn't know That's the hell true. it was. Like, I saw Empire and I saw like. Turn the Jedi and stuff, and I didn't remember who he was. I'm like, who the fuck is this? Like, Lobot. And, like, you know, <laughs> you can't be cool on the playground playing with Lobot. That's true. You know, he doesn't have a lightsaber or nothing like that. Like, you know, like, he didn't have Lobot's any lines either. He didn't have any lines. He's fight he was Darth a featured Vader. extra. He was a wow. featured extra in, <laughs> yeah, in, in, in non union, I think. Right. I couldn't play <laughs> my, my grandmother because, like, you know, my mom didn't tell her what kind I wanted or anything. And, like, right. So That's it wasn't wow. <laughs> fucking Lobot. But, like, wow. And I was going to say Nintendo, like you guys are, had already um, said, um, but, you know, another um, toy that I got that was pretty expensive back then. And like I said, my parents didn't have a ton of money when I was a kid. Like they would put uh, money away in like a Christmas club, which was like a separate like savings account that you'd you'd put there throughout the mm-hmm. year. You know, that way when Christmas rolls around, you had like, you know, all this money to spend. And I remember asking for a Mr. Game Show. Which nobody here probably remembers what the hell that was, but it was like a um, it was like an interactive game that you would play, and it was like a it was like a robot. Um, he looked like a typical like it was like a Bob Barker type of um, game show host, and he would actually would talk and like move and stuff like a kind of like a robot, and you would play the game, and he would talk back to you, and like um, it's a really cool interactive game. It was like a it was like, kind of like a Teddy Ruxman type of animatronic type of thing that you would have seen back then. And I remember it being like probably like a hundred bucks um, back in the store, you know, back when I was a kid. So that means with inflation, it probably would be like $8,000. So it's like getting that, like, I'm kidding about that, but getting that, you know, as a kid was, was super exciting. And then, you know, to piggyback off of what General said, um, 
you know, about the birth of his son. I did get a brother, um, you know, close to Christmas in December, um, which I was super excited about. And then, you know, because I was the only child and getting getting a brother was was very cool. And plus, it was somebody that I could, as he got a few years older, practice wrestling moves on. You know, so I'd watch <laughs> wrestling on Saturday morning, and I would I would call him into the room, and then I would like drop elbows on him from like my parents' dresser, or I would pra- practice the figure four leg lock on him. <laughs> and he grew up to hate that, and like you know, getting beat up. But I told him, you know, it's just wrestling. You know, it's like it's fake. <laughs> I don't think ever really. Yeah. yeah, I don't think ever really became a wrestling fan because of me. Um, because nice. <laughs> I, I guess you could feel their pain watching the matches. So, <laughs> um, I just well, looked up Mr. Game Show, by the way, and yeah. that's creepy looking. It is like <laughs> insanely creepy. It's like uh, it's like it's like guy. Was it Guy Smiley? Was he the game show host on the Muppets? Yes, yes, yeah. It looks like him, right? Like a cross between him and Bob Barker. Yeah, yeah, but he's got this like gigantic mouth that's like half the size of his face. Yeah, big smile, big teeth. Um, it's probably worth a lot, of, a lot of money now. I'll look it up on eBay. Like I still have it. All right. But it, but wow. yeah, it's one of the kind of toys. Like back then, it would take like ten D-sized batteries that were like a fortune. <laughs> they probably cost more than what the um, toy itself cost. And for some reason, we never had them. My parents like. They always forgot to buy the batteries for the toys. So I'm sat there looking at the box. Yeah, there it is. The general pushed it up. So I sit there looking at the box without playing it until like they got like all these expensive batteries from from the local Ames. Good God! Yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> wow, look at that, Mr. Game Show. Yeah. Wow. Oh gosh. So ah, I guess it's my turn, right? Um, my I'll do one as an adult and when I was a kid. Uh, obviously, when I was a kid. Yeah, I got to go with everyone else. The game console for me, me was the original uh, Nintendo and the Super Nintendo, both, which brought me many, many countless wasteful hours of my youth um, and being very um, productive in my eyes, but unproductive in my parents' eyes, uh, you know, playing games such as Super Mario Brothers and Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat and and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah. Those will have to be my childhood one. And you know what? 2020 was a horrible year pandemic wise, but it was one of my better Christmases because um, I think we had to do a lot of remote um, um, yeah, exchanges of gifts, which is uh, gift cards or, you know, would email like gift cards to each other. So because of that, because we couldn't see a lot of people in person, I just asked, please send me a Best Buy gift card so I can upgrade my TV. Um Again, it was the worst year for Christmas because we didn't get to see a lot of our families. But the gift itself, collaboratively with all the gift cards, I, I purchased a, a, a nice 4K, you know, Samsung 55-inch TV that could help me get through the rest of the, you know, the pandemic. We were still in a pandemic, you know, in December of 2020. Um, but I just remember just, you know, being really happy that, you know, even though we were in the pandemic and, and we thought the world was good. <laughs> We were gonna be. We had no idea how long we'd be quarantined. Uh, I, at least I knew that I, I would. I'd be able to watch The Queen's Gambit and Tiger King in all its 4K <laughs> glory because I think that's what the shows that were <laughs> dropping around then. Um, and then my worst. You know what? I was trying to think about this one, but um, we've all received like a shirt or a sweater that was just just we didn't like. It was just ugly or bad or whatever. But what makes it a lot worse is when they cut the tag off. Ooh, so you don't yeah. know where to fucking return the sweater or the shirt that you got. And I've got a, quite a few, and they're usually from aunts and uncles, you know. 
Yeah. Probably re-gifts. There's, there's mm. probably a major... Yeah, there's there's a reason why they cut the tag off. Right. <laughs> so, wait, so, wait, are you talking about the price tag or the tag on the shirt? The price tag, <laughs> but in addition, they cut the, the, the price tag right above what store it came from. So there's, the, you know, there's no way that I could tell yeah. which store it came from. I'd have to go to random department stores to try to... T- Exchange or return mm. a damn sweater that Stuck. or shirt Stuck. that I knew there was no way in hell I would wear. Um, but uh, you know, um, there, there's a, you know nothing that sticks out. But I remember having that dilemma a couple times and not being able to like, return something that I last liked. year. Al, here's a Ed Hardy shirt. Merry Christmas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, did I give you Ed Hardy? <laughs> I mean, Ed Hardy's probably back in style. I don't know. Is back in no, style now? Ed Hardy, no. that and the uh, what's it? The the Von Dutch. Dutch. Von Dutch. Yeah. That was it. The trucker hats. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That had its moment. I saw them in stores recently. Within the past year, I started seeing them in some stores. So I don't know if they're actually back in style or they're trying gonna, to gonna be make wearing them back it in with style. Your, with your whiskered true religion jeans. No, of course I'd wear them with my um, affliction shirts. You, oh, yeah. you had lots it's, of affliction shirts. Bro. I did have a lot of them. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Is the, like, are those coming back because the documentary came out about that? Or yeah, they did have a documentary that, on that. You're they right. did. Like, was it on Hulu or something? Yeah, there was a documentary yeah, think, on, on Ed Hardy on uh, on Hulu. I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They had a Von Dutch one. I don't know if they. they have was Ed it Von Hardy Dutch or was it Ed, Ed Hardy? Yeah, it was one of the two. Yeah. Von Dutch. There was, there was definitely a Von Dutch. Yeah. Von Dutch, yeah. Okay. Was there like something? Actually, I gotta admit, I'm pretty ignorant of this. Like, was there something significant about Von Dutch that they made a documentary about him? About it? Like, had it was a debate of who was the person that actually was the creator of Von Dutch has been debated. Like, mm. so there's one person saying, "I'm the creator of Von Dutch." Oh no, I'm the creator, and all like some. Some like stuff happened behind the scenes or something, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know. Mm. Yeah, that's I imagine, I imagine arguing and trying to take credit over Von Dutch. Over Von yeah. Dutch, yeah. People would try to be like, you know, just, denying yeah. it now. You're like, no, I didn't create it. You created it. No, I didn't create it. <laughs> no, I <laughs> did the Big Johnson shirts. It. That's me. I'm Big Johnson. The big Johnson shirts, yes. <laughs> the Big Johnson. <laughs> or like if you grew up in Maryland, remember when everyone used to wear those co-ed naked lacrosse shirts? They were kind of yes. the same thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that in North Carolina. Yeah, I never quite got that. But yeah, yeah, the, Which, that, I mean, that you do a lot over. of sexy stuff naked, but I don't think lacrosse is one that of that. That wouldn't go over to in today's society. No. Co-ed naked <laughs> stuff because of the whole. But that used to be that used to be such a big thing when I was in like middle school. Like everybody wore them, and they would get banned from school, and so people would wear sweaters over them, and then like uh, right. take them off during the day. Anything right. slightly sexual was big, like like, like the big Johnson shirt he's talking about. Right. Anything like, that yeah. could be slightly sexual would be popular in middle school. Like, yeah, big dogs. Know. I remember big dogs. Yes. Yeah. Big Bad dogs, Boy Club. Man. There were some great brands. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, we're going way back, guys. This is great. Um, all right, so let's get back to the Hollywood <laughs> countdown. Um, I want to drop one more movie thing at number ten and go directly in the Golden Gloves because we are dealing with a, a restricted time period. But I have one more movie tidbit, and uh, this is really interesting. Uh, Christopher Nolan is is producing the the upcoming Oppenheimer film, which is uh, all about. Um, you know, the atomic bomb, you know, the Manhattan Project uh, during World War Two. Super fascinating guy. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. this is really interesting. So they didn't want to do CG as part of the, the nuclear weapon de- detonation. They actually 
shot. Real atomic bomb? A real atomic bomb. What, really? Yes. That's wow. crazy. Yes. So, so like in like Bikini Atoll or something like that, they, they went all the way out there. Because where, where the, else could they do it? He went the practical it? route when it came to the, the, <clears throat> the nuclear weapon exp, uh, explosion. The practical route. <laughs> yes. And they cre- recreated the Trinity test. Um um, well, they, what they probably did is they didn't act. Well, there wasn't a radioactive material. They just it, it's like the essentially like a gigantic explosion that causes the mushroom cloud. But uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. They didn't drop it on Japan, okay. did they? Oh, no, they did not drop it on oh, Japan. Oh, too no. soon. Too soon. All of a sudden. Well, they're talking about the, the Trinity test, the, the, the first nuclear uh, weapon de- detonation in New Mexico. They're recreating okay. that without wow. the use of computer graphics. And basically, he got a visual effects supervisor uh, on board to um, do a lot of the the elements in the film. Um, and this goes in your area of expertise, uh, representing quantum dynamics and quantum physics into the Trinity test itself. Yeah. And they went to Los Alamos up in New Mexico, uh, and they actually recreated that um, that that test, you know, in, in New Mexico. That's wow. really cool. That's actually really, really cool to it know. Shot that, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's wild. That is absolutely yeah. wild. Guys. And what's crazy about this? This is actually the second biggest movie bomb that <laughs> has ever happened. You know, oh, since yeah? um, Black Adam. Yeah. Oh, Black Adam would be the first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's too soon. That is too soon. Wow. I think you could say Tenet, but yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I just want to go over the uh, the Golden Globe noms. Um, I, I guess I'll skip the, the TV stuff unless we have time to go back. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the nominations because uh, the Golden Globes are back. Um, they were actually canceled last year. They 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 wanted to reform and, and get more diversity into their um, their uh, members, um, the, the voting members. Right. And crazy um, enough, like Good Times has been nominated for every category I heard this season. Oh, come on, that's <laughs> is that horrible. not true? That's horrible. No, that's too soon. Good Times. Is that not true? Oh, I love Good Times. Came well, out in the early seventies, isn't that when that came out? <laughs> it was late seventies, but yeah. Yeah. So the Banshees of Inisherin actually lead the nominations, um, lead the list, and that that actually earned eight nominations, including Best Picture. Um, directing and writing nominations for Martin McDonough. Everything Everywhere All at Once followed with six nominations, while Babylon and the Fablemans each earned fives. Uh, and I got to see, yeah, I got to see Banshee Vinish here in, uh, in an early screening up in New York. And uh, that's the thing about Green Actors Guild. Thank you for these early screenings. Mm. They, they're awesome to check out. And uh, But anyways, let's throw out some of the nominees and let's uh, talk about our thoughts. Um Best Picture, Avatar, Way of the Water. So this is, you know, already nominated before most of the public has been able to see it. And have have these people even seen it, or are they? Yeah, just like, I was, I was about nominated. to ask. Yeah. The like, critics, the critics obviously have. Yeah. Okay. If they um, say so. Yep. Elvis. <laughs> the Fablemans. Yeah. Tar. I saw the Fablemans tonight. Do you saw the Fablemans? Really? Yes. Wow. wow. Okay. So wow. that's why you're you, you're a little uh, tardy late. Joining yes. Us. Okay. What do you think? I mean, yeah, you got to tell us. Like, yeah, how I, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was like a two and a half hour movie, but I don't see why it would win awards 
Well, like, um, you know, there was, I mean, a lot, a lot of the taglines, the critics were saying it's Spielberg's maybe best movie ever. No, <laughs> what, the, what the fuck? No, no, no. I mean, it was, I heard it was loosely based on his life. You know, I mean, it was enjoyable. I mean, it's something that I would think that you would see on, like, Netflix or something, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't see anything super artistic where it would um, deserve awards or be one of Spielberg's best pictures. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, he wasn't called um, Steven in the movie or Spielberg, but I heard it's loosely based on his life. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. But, an exact, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed it. It wasn't an exact biopic per se, but it, it had some elements. Yeah, which I mean, his life is interesting enough where it, you know it could have been, but it didn't go any anywhere near like him actually making you know professional movies. So it was just basically on his childhood up until like early college age. Yeah, because I think it would be interesting to see a follow up to to that. And and well, yeah, especially because Spielberg actually snuck into Universal Studios to get his start. I mean, he did the um, actual backlot tour. Like he went a couple of days, um, paid for a couple of tickets to go a couple of days, and then would wait to the security guard each day. And then the third day, he didn't have a ticket, but he kind of waited to the security guard. And then the fourth day. You know, went backstage and just did whatever. And like the guy actually thought he worked there at that, at that point from seeing him every day. And then he would just hang around the movie sets and like help out wherever he could and like just started working on movies because they thought that he worked there. They're, they're like they put they put him to work and you know and nobody knew he didn't work there for a while. Wow. And I heard they. <laughs> I would say that could never work, but you. I mean, I could see doing Not that today. I'm like, yeah. if you went to a location today. shoot yeah. and just wandered on the set. And started yeah. acting like a PA. Maybe you could get away with it. I heard they ribbed him and they had him go into like this um, one room. And actually like Marlon Brando was in there naked, like getting out of the shower or something like that. I started cussing Jesus. him out. Like, get out of here, kid. What are you doing? <laughs> Call like, the kid. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Well, I'll have to check so, out the failings. That That's certainly, um, yeah, yeah, best picture nom. I'm sure will be the same for the SAG Awards and the Oscars. Joining that, uh, those films, which includes Fableman's Elvis and Avatar, are Tar with Kate Blanchett mm-hmm. and Top Gun Maverick. Wow, a blockbuster in the best picture category. Well, not surprising actually. Well, because they normally they don't include like the blockbusters. They and, like mo- normally don't, but yeah. uh, I think Top Gun was an exception, uh, ex- exceptional film, and, and yeah. it, even if it was in the blockbuster category i still thought the story was cohesive and yeah. and the acting was great and the special effects so i think way it, better was than it should have been way better right now interesting to note that tom cruise did not get a best actor nom at the golden globes for best actor in a motion picture um Has those nominees include jeremy pope for the inspection bill nye for living hugh jackman the son Austin Butler, Elvis, and Brendan Fraser, the whale. And uh, my prediction is Brendan Fraser. Um, the Sun. I don't remember that. Hugh Jackman in The Sun. It. it I don't know anybody saw it, but it sounds like it was kind of a sequel to The Father. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, father. it should really be. <laughs> I think it's to be serious though. <laughs> it, it should really be um, Austin Butler because I mean he had it actually study elvis and like <clears throat> learn how to sing like him how to dance like him okay. and how to act like him i mean all brandon Fraser had to do is learn how to eat big macs oh come so on it should, now. Definitely be, <laughs> it should definitely be austin butler austin butler yeah <laughs> the, those those are those two would have my vote um but i can only vote for one i was surprised they didn't put him in the musical cat i mean 
I mean, Elvis isn't a it musical, wasn't a but musical, there's a damn though. lot of yeah. music in that There's movie. a lot of music, but didn't qualify as a musical. And in All fact, right. Elvis was not uh, in the musical category, musical comedy category. Yeah, they were clearly um, wanting the prestige of drama. Right, right. Um, best actress in a motion picture drama include Kate Blanchett for Tar, Olivia Coleman, Empire of Light, Viola Davis, The Woman King, Anna de Armas Blonde and Michelle Williams The Fablemans and the only film I've seen on that list is Blonde, so by default I have to vote for Anna de Armas. I mean, no, she, I, mean I love her. <laughs> yeah, she did great in Blonde, but it was a stupid Ooh. movie. Yeah, I don't think she's gonna win, but I definitely have yeah, to. Watch it was an uncomfortable. Oh, I yeah. All right. <laughs> like I mean, she. Did, I felt she bad did, for her, honestly. I felt bad for her. Did you? I mean, well, I mean, she did great with her own sex. I, I feel bad for, for <laughs> who? Felt bad for who? <laughs> for her, it just it it was not. She looked out of her element. I felt like yeah. every scene, it was like, let me just default to crying because that's the only way I can get through this scene. <laughs> right. And after seeing like thirty-seven scenes of that, I'm like, what's and the her point accent? There's still hints of her accent. Oh wow. yeah, it yeah. I mean, yeah, she I did the feel, best she could, but yeah, I didn't feel bad yeah. for her. I felt bad for Marilyn Monroe because why make a movie of somebody that had like a crazy life anyways and had a very interesting life and just make up lies for it to make it crazier? Like like having her in some kind of like menage a trois relationship that she was never in. Right, right. Like it's just understand it's disrespectful. With the whole like stretching, not not even just stretching the truth, just telling outright lies in like like things that just didn't happen in the film. I don't understand the point maybe there's something i'm missing but like i didn't understand why they just didn't keep to obviously there's dramatizations and everything right right well, yeah but like flat out like wrong elements and there was a lot of those i just didn't understand the point it just you're right yeah, yeah. The kind of yeah. Well, they, 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 she had a crazy and, life like yeah. no yeah. reason they, to they, embellish they, it they, like that right yeah, they wanted it to be more salacious, Shocking, I guess. Yeah. And there's this kind of, like, paradox, I guess, where, like, they show, like, this idea that, you know, by showing women victimized, it somehow, like, makes them appear stronger, which I think is kind of misogynistic. But that's, like, mm. that's kind of, like, I think that was kind of, like, the um, the intent behind... But that movie <laughs> Which, yeah but it made no sense like if, if you're showing that marilyn monroe is victimized yeah but then you're making this movie and the movie's victimizing her by making up lies yeah. so it's like yeah how are you how are you trying to say that these guys who victimized her like like you know 50 years ago whatever are bad but then you're doing the same shit here now in 2022 right but they never used yeah. her name right so it could just be somebody else it just it just yeah it could be just, just fiction did right? they never use her name on starlet i don't think they used anybody's name I'm sure they, they called like, her Marilyn in the movie. They had to have. Did they? Yeah. They did, yeah, yeah Marilyn or Jean. But some of the yeah, other characters, Jean, they yeah. didn't. Yeah, it, it didn't yeah. work. Yeah. Two guys for that for that threesome that she was in, like, she dated those guys separately, like, you know, like a year apart or whatever, never right. at the same time. Never they never hung time. out with each other. It was some weird relationship. Like, Clearly the director's perverted vision i guess <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> all right um motion picture musical or comedy include babylon which i talked about earlier uh, that already has my vote um banshees of inishirin which i've seen which is fantastic everything everywhere all at once was also great i i still haven't seen a knives out mystery or triangle of sadness those are the other two nominees in the best musical co- uh 
comedy category, but I really feel I, I mean, a lot of people love everything everywhere all at once. Um, but I don't know. I think Babylon's going to take this one. I vote. Everything I, everywhere all at once. I loved, but I just saw Triangle of Sadness too. And that okay. is easily one of my favorite films of all time now. What? I, really? Of all I, time. I was one of I mean, obviously subject, like this is just my personal opinion, but, um, it was I, I'm a very big dark comedy fan, so That's why the menu was great for and me. It was also yeah. satire, a lot of satire too, and re- it was very funny, very poignant. Um mm-hmm. I yeah, I really enjoyed it. Definitely it's a it's a one I would recommend for people to see for sure. Yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. Interestingly enough, um the menu, which is a considered a dark comedy of sorts, I guess, or um was not uh, nominated in either category. Um, but that one. <laughs> but Anya Taylor Joy was nominated for Best Actress in a Motion Picture oh, and nice. Comedy, um, as well as my favorite, Margot Robbie in Babylon. Yes, you have my vote, Margot. No doubt. <laughs> um, also, Leslie Manville, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, Emma Thompson. Good luck to you, Leo Grande, and Michelle Yeoh, and everything, everywhere, all at once. So. And when um, are the Golden Globes? Golden Globes are going to be on January 10th, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. they're really trying to get or... all the current movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. On NBC after, again, after a one-year hiatus as that didn't air. They, they still announced winners, but they, it wasn't televised. Okay. Mm. Exactly. So um, we'll read a couple more. Um, let's see. Um, performance by... An actor in a motion picture musical or comedy, Diego Calva, Babylon. He did a fantastic job. He is not really well known. He's not a household name, but he will be. I guarantee this guy, Diego Calva, is uh, going to be possibly a next big thing. I also saw White Noise. Um, Adam Driver is nominated for that. I thought that was fantastic. Uh, Daniel Craig for Glass Onion and Colin Farrell for Banshees of Inishirin and Ralph Fiennes for The Menu. So, uh Ooh, that's a tough Banshees one. of Ed Sheeran? Banshees of, of not Ed Sheeran, but Ina Sheeran. Okay. Uh, <laughs> bad Banshees of Ed Sheeran, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, well, let's move. Uh, we'll get the supporting actors. Well, let's move over to uh, some television stuff. Oh, well, for the directors. James Cameron is, uh, is uh, nominated for Way of the Water. Baz Luhrmann for Elvis. Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inishirin, and Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. Hmm. Will Steven Spielberg uh, get the nod? I mean, we got two power, we got some powerhouses in there, man. James Cameron, Steven Spielberg, you know, hmm. some big ones. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how you direct um, a three-hour VFX movie. I mean, I know he did, but right. Seems like a it, it lot of other like, people had to do the work on that. One. It, it seems like you basically <laughs> go to the editing bay and you direct from the editing bay, right? It seems like, so. like that's how yeah. you do it. Right? I mean, does he does he come up with the storyboards or? Like, oh, yeah. I'm sure he had his hands all over it. Yeah, but yeah. It is yeah. hard to know what. And it's motion. I think they filmed every second of it with motion capture first. Yeah. So God, I mean, huge project. Huge project. All right, we got television series drama, Better Call Saul, The Crown, House of yes. the Dragon, Ozark, and Severance. 
Yeah, your show Better Call Saul after being snubbed. Yeah, yes, by several bastards. award shows. Uh, finally getting recognition. House of the Dragon, fantastic. No. Oh, come on now. Um, <laughs> it's too soon for that. But I, I hear, I yeah, it is too soon. But but Severance, um, a lot of people are saying that that's that's an, interesting enough. I guess um, what's your Apple, favorite show Apple. that's always nominated? Succession. Yeah, that wasn't on the. Uh, I, I don't think it was out this year. So <clears throat> that's why. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Better, call Saul, Better Call Saul, I guess that was a really good play to split up the season. So half yeah. of it was in the, um, would have been in last the year's. The awards contention, yeah. 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 Yeah, so I think those are all great. Um, you know, I think they're going to give it to Better Call Saul or The Crown, but I, if my vote would go to House of the Dragon. But I think that Better Call Saul. Well, they the might Crown. give it to Ozark, though. They might give it to Ozark since that's over, too. It is the final season. Yeah. I think the performances were great. I don't know if necessarily the the season. Well, we'll see. You know, no, I, I honestly I can't remember what happened on the final season. Now I watched it. Well, well, like Ozark, yeah. Ozark. It may be a good thing that like because Ozark ended in such like an ambiguous and kind of really dark way, mm-hmm. where, like effectively, you know, no one really gets their comeuppance. The most uh, the most sympathetic character gets killed. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I remember her getting killed, but I can't remember. Yeah. That's a spoiler alert. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean. Don't you know, spoil Better Call Saul, though. I yeah, that was that, that no, was not. back in what? Like, <laughs> it was back in what? Like I know, I know. March. I'm teasing. Yeah. I'm teasing. We talk about spoilers here on the show all the time. I get it. Yeah. So with, like, I don't know. I mean, it depends on how cynical, um, cynical the voters want to be, because a lot of times, you know, critics and voters love dark stuff, and a lot of times they want something more, um, you know, that's more hopeful. Which, right. you know, I would think. I would think would be more like um, Better Call Saul, which does end, even though it ends on like this kind of like downer note, it, it actually has like, you know, it shows like redemption and it shows like characters learning. And which yeah. they, well, especially they, because Better Call Saul, when everybody, everybody died on the final episode. Like, <laughs> mm, that makes Breaking it's, Bad a little tricky, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very good. Very good coverage there. <laughs> All right. Best performance by an actress in a TV drama, Emma Darcy for House of the Dragon, um, who is uh, Rhaenyra Targaryen, the um, the elder version. Yeah. Uh, Laura Linney, Ozark. Melda mm-hmm. Staunton, The Crown. Hilary Swank, Alaska Daily. And Zendaya for Euphoria. I think Zendaya, she just killed it in this last season. I don't know. Oh, She's I really just, need to start watching that show. I've never it's seen a, that show. Fantastic. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you well, know, I think Lenny really impressed what? me in that final season of Ozark. Who did? I, Laura Linney. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I, think, I think she's a contender as well. I don't watch The Crown, so I can't comment on Imelda. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a her in Ozark. That's a masterclass in how to make a completely unlikable character. It's still really, it's still really complex. So and unlikable and hated. Yeah. Dude, she killed her own brother. She had her own yeah. brother killed. <laughs> what yeah. kind of fucking yeah. psychopath does that? Yeah. It's horrible. Oh man, I hated her after that. I really yeah. <laughs> She was by the end of that, you're just like, fuck you, you fucking bitch. <laughs> she disrespected her father. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. No, her father her father was an asshole too. So it's yeah. not we, like we just, this is true. This is true. 
yeah but it's just i don't know it's it's i always find it really that's you know that's Mm -hmm. why villains are often so much fun to watch when they do it correctly and Mm -hmm. you can make someone that's so complex yet so just fucking hateable right (laughs) exactly all right best performance by actor in a television series drama jeff bridges the old man kevin costner yellowstone this one is surprising diego luna for andor as a big star wars fan i'm surprised but happy adam scott severance and your boy bob odenkirk for better call saul when he got snubbed for mr show right right but he certainly got recognized for better call saul and uh you know what this is this is his last chance so let's let's gotta give it to him he has a he has a he has another show coming out next year doesn't he he does he does but yeah but he must have died on this season that's true he had a heart attack yeah 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 yeah, I think there's there might be a little bit of a yeah. There, I think the the, the voting uh, panel of the of the, the Hollywood Foreign Press can be convinced by yeah he almost died doing this show he still but I don't know it's like pulled he, out he a, a performance. He's a white guy though. If you're a Golden Globes, <laughs> you're gonna give it to a white guy like after had, the I controversy. Mean, even though he had a heart attack, I don't know like. You so you think it's controversial for them to do that? Okay. Well, trust me, there's there's no way in hell Golden Globes didn't give them to all white people this season, this award show. There's no way. Well, you know, interesting enough, none of the female directors were nominated, so that was a right. that was interesting. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna hear about it. Yeah. In fact, you know, uh, there was, was there's an article, but uh, that was, that was a big a big thing. It was no female directors nominated. Oh, that movie. was in the article. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see, got a couple more categories. Uh, best television series, <laughs> musical or comedy, Abbott Elementary. Oh, you gotta go. <laughs> uh, Abbott Elementary is great. All right. Okay. So before we continue, I, I guess we have a, we have to say goodbye to Vinnie Mac. Oh, sorry guys, gotta get up early, but it's always a pleasure. Vinnie Mac. Yes. Vinnie Good Mac, Wonder Woman, Chelsea. 1984. Um, that was my best present right there. Yeah. New New Amsterdam. The only good thing about Wonder Woman, 84. Oh, Sorry. wow. That's, you said that's a linebacker with when he was on. I did, too. The only two things. <laughs> that's Vinnie Mac. Yeah. Happy oh, birthday, Mac. Zod. You're the man. Thank you. Thank you. It's really great to have you on. Thanks. Always fun. Vinnie Mac, thanks the, for joining us. By the time we end the show, um, Zod's going to be a, another year older. <laughs> 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 I'll have a couple more categories. All right. We can... All right. So thanks, Vinnie Mac, for joining us. Um, but let's throw out a couple more uh, nominees. Um, let's talk about the comedy categories, right? All right. So best television series, musical or comedy, Abbott Elementary, The Bear, not the cocaine bear, but The Bear. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Hacks, Only Murders in the Building, and Wednesday. And the only show I've seen on that list is Wednesday. Same, I've, same. I've only seen Only Murders in the Building. And you've only seen Only Murders in the Building. Yeah. Okay. And that's a, that's a great show. Really Yeah, I mean, pe- they just hosted Saturday Night Live, you know? Martin Short yeah. and, uh, and um, Steve Martin. Yeah, it's like yeah. they have the same name. One's the first name, one's the last name. <laughs> yeah. But they're both legends in the yeah. business. Um mm-hmm. And uh, the, 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 during their monologue, they actually did eulogies of each other. So that was kind of pretty funny. They're kind of poking at their old age. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but they're including a lot of uh, recent stuff in um, the Golden Globes now. I mean, stuff that just came out like a couple weeks ago or hasn't even come out yet. Well, Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday just surprising. came out. Yeah. 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 yeah so, so they're trying to get people like who only remember current like recent stuff to watch the golden globes to see if their favorites have one. Cause mm-hmm. normally they don't do stuff this um, recent. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, Wednesday, uh, I'm three episodes in, and it's a it's a lot of fun. I'm having now. You know what? Uh, I think uh, Jesse Fresco mentioned the similarities to Harry Potter. Now, ap- absolutely, after watching that yeah. first episode, he actually was right. I don't know. I think because of the the, the groups that they were talking about the the um the vampires and the um the the sirens and the uh, the werewolves and stuff like that. Um, I do see the parallels. You know, they're in Nevermore, Nevermore, which is kind of uh, comparable to to hogwarts you know so i don't know um great so show you, um yeah so you're three episodes in three episodes in yeah right. i was wondering why you had like these like popeye forearms now like <laughs> what you've been, you been working <laughs> out you've been working out some like, oh that's horrible <laughs> what? that's horrible chachi what are you alluding to what I, th- I thought you were just working out i mean there's nothing related to the show wednesday i was just like wondering because normally this time of year people slack off. I don't know. I'm like, I'm like, man, he's been pumping up. <laughs> it must be the it must be the Christmas sweaters. It must it must be the Christmas sweaters. Yeah. All right. All right. All right so. <laughs> oh my God. Well played, Chachi. Well played. That's that's a little bit of an inside joke. Anyways, um, best performance by actress in a television series, musical or comedy. Quinta Brunson, Abbott Elementary. And if she wins. Jimmy Kimball better not pull that shit he did by laying on the stage. A completely disrespectful moment uh, when uh, uh, Quinta Brunson won the um, the Emmy, um, you know, previously. Yeah, but that I mean that was all scripted, anyways. But so that means that she'll probably win this one just to like, you know, give her to a piece of speech. Yeah, like, yeah, get her the proper moment to do acceptance. Yeah, I, speech, I think yeah. so. I think she is locked <laughs> to win it. Right. We got also got Kaylee Cuoco, the flight attendant, Selena Gomez, only murders in the building, Jenna Ortega for Wednesday. There you go. And <laughs> and Gene Smart. Every day of the week. <laughs> Gene Smart hacks. Um, man, you know what? I, you know what? I need to watch the flight attendant. I need to watch only murders in the building to comment. And and you know Gene Smart. I, I know she's a fantastic actress. I mean I watched. Um, Mare of Easttown. But mm-hmm. I have not watched Hacks yet. She's good in Watchmen, too. Watchmen. She's in Watchmen, yeah. Yeah, underrated. Very and, good. Who's your, who's your money on for that, then? To win the Best yeah. Actress? I guess based on only what I saw. I guess Jenna Ortega, but... All right. It, I mean... I It'll probably... I think I think Gene Smart, actually, when I think about it. Because yeah. she hasn't won anything like that yet. And she's, right. like, one of those... You know, like one of those constant presences and a lot of like really good things. So I, th- right. I think it would go to her. Okay. I think it's very, very well-rounded, right? Yeah. In her interacting ability. All right. So we have a best performance by an actor in a television series, musical or comedy. Donald Glover, Atlanta. <laughs> Bill Hader for Barry. And we just mentioned Martin Short and, and uh, Steve Martin, both nominated for only murders in the building that's got to be a very uh like if one wins you're kind of pissing off the other guy you know like it's probably yeah. not to both of make... them both of them have accomplished enough in their careers that, that one I... that one can win the award and one doesn't yeah i don't i don't think i mean like both of them have like shelves and shelves of awards so it's like right. yeah so i don't i don't think they're going to be crying any rivers if... you think they're both in the same category kind of splits the vote so they're not. You know, I mean, that's, win. that's a possibility where yeah, you, got, you only have so many people like in the academy that will watch the show and know what the show is. Right. 
<laughs> who are going to vote on it, and it kind of splits the vote right there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But there... so one, one should bow out gracefully. <laughs> one should bow gracefully. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right, we also have Jeremy Allen White for The Bear. So those are the best performance by an actress in a musical comedy. All right, the best television limited series anthology, Blackbird, Dahmer, Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, The Dropout, Pam and Tommy, which I know, Chachi, you loved. I like that too, yeah. And The White Lotus. Wow, Chachi, you, well, which ones have you seen? I've seen Jeffrey Dahmer. I've seen Pam and Tommy's story. Um, but if I'm going on the controversy from the Academy, not knowing what the other shows are about, I say they won't pick White Lotus. And they're going to pick Blackbird. They're going to pick Blackbird. Okay. It's based on the previous controversy. Oh, not geez, White Lotus, that's, but we'll pick Blackbird. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know if I want to comment on that one. All right. Just a hunch. All right. So the best performance by an actress in the limited series or um, made for television or anthology series. It says Jessica Chastain, George and Tammy. My vote, Julia Garner, Inventing Anna. Um, and she's also nominated for supporting actress in the drama series, but we skipped the supporting. Lily James, Pam and Tommy, Julia Roberts, Gaslit, and Amanda Seyfried in The Dropout. And the performance by an actor in a limited series, anthology series, motion picture made for television, Taryn Edgerton, Blackbird, Colin Firth, The Staircase, Andrew Garfield, Under the Banner of Heaven, Evan Peters, Dahmer, and Sebastian Stan, Pam, and Tommy. My prediction, Evan Peters, Dahmer. I think that uh, performance was... He did great. Chilling. Um, yeah. Very memorable. Um, and just, yeah. That was just absolutely bananas. bananas. He's played a lot of creepy characters in all the American Horror Story anthologies and stuff like that. But you re- mm-hmm. he really stuck into this role and where you... Didn't even really even see Evan Peters anymore. Mm-hmm. Just all like Dahmer. Yeah, absolutely. But um, so they do have the supporting role. And I did mention Julia Garner no- nominated for Ozark. She joins Elizabeth Debicki for The Crown, Anna Heinbender, Hacks, Janelle James, Abbott Elementary, and Cheryl Lee Ralph, Ab- Abbott Elementary. So the Golden Globes, they combine the supporting actress for comedy and drama together. Um, whereas I know that the Emmys divide those two genres. They do something a little different. And for the actor in that same category is John Lithgow, The Old Man, Jonathan Price, The Crown, John Tutura, Severance, Tyler James Williams, Abbott Elementary, and Henry Winkler, Barry. So, um, yeah, yeah those Fonz. are the Fonz. Wow. Yep, 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 yep. Um, but, yeah, those are the majority of um the, the uh, Golden Globe noms and uh, as you mentioned, yeah, no women were nominated for Best Director. The, there was a lot of talk about that one. Tom Cruise surprisingly not nominated for Best Actor for Top Gun Maverick. Um, also surprising um, that um, that even though they wrapped the second season of White Lotus, um, Aubrey Plaza and F. Murray Abraham were the only cast members to score nods, and that's for the White Lotus uh, supporting nominations, which we didn't we, we skipped over. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean January 10th live on NBC. Um, yeah, check it out. And uh, 
the last thing on my list, um, because we skipped a whole bunch, it's interesting, but Elon Musk got booed when he joined Dave Chappelle on a <laughs> stage on Sunday night. And Chappelle said, cheers and boos, I see, um, in response to the crowd's reception of the billionaire. Um, of course, now he's the, the, the owner of Twitter. And he said, make some noise for the richest man in the world. And then he said, "What wasn't expecting this, were you? Sounds like some of those people you fired are in the audience. <laughs> so you gotta say, David, Dave Chappelle can still bring the uh, can still bring the funny because there was that may have been the funniest thing that he's done, and he's done a lot of funny stuff. That right, you know, having him come out and I mean that was like Elon Musk's like um, I guess Emperor has no clothes moment where <laughs> like he was. I guess he was expecting to be cheered on, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and of course with Chappelle's audience. Yeah. Um, interesting, but, um, but yeah. And then I guess, um, yeah, I guess, uh, as promised, we, we are closing with the, uh, the sad, uh, rest in peace, uh, announcements. We always end the show on a, on a, on a sad note. Oh, that note sad. No, we don't. <laughs> I know. Ron was, Ron was like, man, talk, we, we, we closing out the, the show with on a sad note, but no, well, we kind of lift, try to lift it up in the end, but um, yeah, we do. We do. This is, this goes into the RIP. So this is could be classified as possibly conspiracy theorist, but Grant Wall, an American journalist who was uh, in Qatar covering the World Cup, died mysteriously at the age of 48, and then following that. Another um, journalist, uh, a photojournalist, suddenly died while co- covering the World Cup. So that's two journalists covering the what? World Cup, wow. mysteriously uh, dying in Qatar. And then earlier incident, a security guard played was placed in intensive care following a fall during one of the stadiums. So security guard like fell, fell over and 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 died um, as well. <clears throat> So now we're talking about three like just unexpected, really odd deaths from the World Cup uh, in Qatar. Uh, I, I don't like to believe in conspiracy theories, but I, I I do feel that that it's very very coincidental that two journalists. Uh, but Grant Grant Wall also got some um a lot of attention because he wore a rainbow shirt and wasn't allowed into the the one of the stadiums. Dude, but, and he died. Yeah, he, he died. Yeah, he's he died, one of the like, that died. Uh, yeah, but that that seems like such a. I mean, if it had anything to do with the rainbow shirt, that seems ridiculous. Like there's like you don't you don't like have some con- conspiracy to kill journalists over something like that. Like right. you know, it's a. Um, it it it, it kind of bothered me. I'm not gonna lie. Um, when I read yeah. that, and that's the second one. I mean, it's almost like reading like Bill and Hillary's uh, kill list. Um, but anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, not only did we leave those, um, we lost, uh, uh, Grant Wall and, um, and another journalist. I don't think the other journalist is named, um, the second journalist, is he? Um, but, um, yeah. Oh, Al Cass. His name is Al Cass is the second journalist that passed away. But that's not all. We also have some Hollywood legends like um, Stuart Margolin, the character actor, um, and known for um, the Rockford Files, passed away. Um, Angelo Badalamenti, um, who 
created oh. scores for Twin Peaks, Blue yeah. Velvet, I was Mulholland just Drive. I was just listening to that Twin Peaks album, like uh, that Twin Peaks soundtrack, like about a week mm-hmm. ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Maybe. That was an eerie foreboding, wasn't it? Yeah, I guess so. I yeah. mean, I, yeah. I didn't maybe really maybe she about... um, had a heart attack when that royalty check came in from you listening to it. <laughs> like, because who else? Who else is listening to this, the Twin Peaks soundtrack? The Twin Peaks had There's a some really great the music on there. There's I'm sure it did. I'm sure, but you were so obscure. I'm not talking making fun of her. I know they had great music, but you're well, they had like, the re- they had the recent um, sequel, reboot yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That wasn't that secret. That wasn't that recent uh, where he's listening to the, the soundtrack well, last week. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> All right. was, this, um, was this from the original series or the um, the reboot? The original series. Yeah. The original there, series. See, there you go. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was it's on like, the apple music but it was still like you know i was like you know what uh, like i was i was yeah. working and it's I a was, memorable theme and it has it has yeah. it's like great great like instrumental and it's like really moody and atmospheric she was oh, in yeah. the mailbox <laughs> the check in there yeah from one listener what is an error in baltimore maryland <laughs> <laughs> all right we also lost georgia holt who's Rest also the, the mother of Cher. Um, she was also, like Cher, um, a singer-songwriter, but also a model and actress. How was she? Um, she was 96 when she passed away. Because Cher's, Cher's, like, Cher's, like Cher's old, Cher's like, old too. Yeah. Yeah. Cher's yeah. old, too. Yeah. Cher's old, too. So did she have Cher when she was, like, 10? How old is Cher? I mean, Cher still looks great. <laughs> we have like, to find out how old. Some, someone look up yeah. how old Cher is, because, yeah, that... that I think Cher was like 80 almost, right? Or something. No, no Cher's probably, uh, Cher's looking probably up, like in her 70s. That's my But guess. Cher hasn't like did a lot of work on her face. She, she doesn't look like Rocky Dennis now, does she? Oh, my God. Does she? Rocky Dennis. Jesus. Rocky Dennis. Oh, my gosh. That's a that's kind of a deep cut. Like, you got Cher's <laughs> age, Zod? <laughs> yeah, see, so. Did you pull it up? Um, of, um. Oh, she was born in 1946. General. She's born in yeah. 1946. So 76, yeah. 76. Okay. See, I'm making yes. fun of General for being obscure, and I'm pointing out like, a mask okay, so um, she, reference. Yeah. Her mother was only 20 when she had her. Okay, there okay. you go. There you go. Um, also, Ronnie Turner, the son of Tina Turner, and the late Ike Turner had passed away as well. Um, and um, I don't think he was in the show business. Um, I'm not sure if he was or not, but uh, Wait, yeah, rest in peace. So- was he must have been fairly young then. Yeah, well, he was 62. Tina Turner's yeah, 83. Tina Turner's 83, yeah. Wow. Yeah, there you go. So that's yeah, crazy Tina Turner's 83. That's, that's two, actually really wild. Oh, I had no idea Tina Turner was older than Cher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's... that's Cause Tina Turner always looked great, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she had Absolutely. those great legs. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But she she still looks good, I bet. Yeah. Also, by by about the eighties, like share. Well, I guess that was like kind of like a dip in Cher's career where she wasn't as prominent until she started was started being in movies again. But I remember yeah, in the eighties she was in the eighties she was in a lot of movies. Yeah, but yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, Mask no. was in the eighties and. Um, yeah, that's that's right. Mask. The other one was it was it. Terms of Endearment? What was she in? Like, what was it? No, no, like mermaids, mermaids, mermaids. That's what it was. Yeah, mermaids. Or, but I was thinking, what, what was? The, oh, the um, um, the one with Nick Cage, Nicholas Cage as um, crap. The one where where she goes, snap out of it. Which movie is that? I'm looking at it now. 
I don't Bashir, recall a better memory than Bashir definitely had her music come back in the 80s. Um, yeah. But she was in Witches, Witches of Eastwick, um, Moonstruck, Mermaids. Um, Moonstruck. Moonstruck's the one. Yeah. That's what I, I thought that was like her grand like uh, revival of her career. I thought, and that was like later 80s, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Moonstruck yeah. was, um, see, now we, now we get down this fucking rabbit hole now. <laughs> <laughs> Moonstruck was in 1987 um, and Mermaid's in 1990. Okay. okay. There you go. But she had that, you know, Turn Back Time song in the 80s where she was, was like that, in a thong. Was that 80s she wore or early thong, 90s? Didn't she? Wait, where she wore that thong on the, yeah, I think it, I thought it was on the aircraft carrier? Which, yeah, I think it was 1989. Oh, it was 1989. Okay. Wow. Jesus. Oh, well, I'm looking now. Um, if I turn could back. turn back time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 19 yeah 1989 was turn back time. I see yeah okay very good. <laughs> that was good. That was good Zod. I don't I haven't heard you sing very often so that's the first. Yeah just, just don't sing in a song. Hey you'll you'll hear more of that on Thursday if we do karaoke. Oh, that's right yeah, we're doing just, karaoke. Just don't sing in a in a thong on Thursday. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're, you're missing the Christmas surprise. Don't do a share pressure. Or I want to turn back my car and, and go home. Turn back time and turn back the car. Yeah. I'll turn back time before this the yes. song. <laughs> Before I see General in a thong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we also lost. Dude. Only us could have so many laughs during during the, the death segment of the, the belt show. <laughs> the death segment. I mean, we made jokes about every single person that died. Rest in peace. June Blair, best known for um, the Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet, sadly also had passed away of natural causes. Gary Fried. Well, that had to be natural causes. I mean, how old could she have been? Yeah, she. Ozzy and Harriet. That's like from Husband the 50s, isn't it? That's yeah, 130, right? Yeah, she she's, she was 90. Okay. Yeah. Rest in peace. Uh, Gary Friedkin from Happy Days, uh, who is Clarence the Cook. Um, and Young Doctors in Love died uh, from COVID-19 complications. Oh, oh gosh. We haven't oh. we haven't announced a COVID-19 death in, in a long, a long. Yeah, there hasn't. So that's yeah. sad, certainly sad to hear. Um, Helen Slayton Hughes, who played the court stenographer on Parks and Recreation, sadly passed away also at the age of 92. And um, for all you Star Wars fanboys, uh, this one is a little sad. Richard Miller, the famed sculptor who created Princess Leia's gold bikini in Return wow. of the Jedi. Also, uh, Davy Jones' tentacle beard for the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, sadly also had passed away. So, hmm. um, yeah, I mean, those are that's I mean, that launched many cosplayers at all the Comic Cons we've gone oh to. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah of because of um, because of his work, you know, some of the cartilage in my um, wrist passed away at a young age. <laughs> so rest in rest in peace. <laughs> that young age. And of course, with death, we celebrate life for those turning another trip around the sun. Can you believe Dick Van Dyke's? Still kicking it at 97. Happy birthday, yeah. Dick Van Dyke. He's a legend in the business. Steve Buscemi, another legend, 65 today. Um, Nene Leakes from Real Housewives of Atlanta. I don't know why I'm announcing her, but for some reason people find her popular. I don't know why. She's 56. The one and only Jamie Foxx is 55. Wow. Um, a BTB guest from a few years back, James Kyson Lee from that show Heroes on NBC that we used to like. He's 46. Oh, yeah. 
Amy Lee of Evanescence is 41. And Tay-Tay, Taylor Swift is 33. Um, did, were any of you successful in getting concert tickets? Apparently that was just as impossible as Blink-182 to get tickets for Taylor Swift. Yeah. So. And apparently Ticketmaster's in trouble now because of that and the Bad Bunny fiasco that happened over the past week where, like, um, mm-hmm. all of these... All of I, these it's just harder to get tickets now for major yeah. shows. It's just, I think it's a new system they have mm-hmm. with the queue. Yeah. And it's just fucking up and a lot of, lot of these the resellers. That's why, that's why you should be fans of obscure bands because it's all right. easy to get You'll never, It will never be sold out. Like yeah. All the bands you like. Yeah. yeah. You've never all heard of. bands I like where like, I go see a show and there's like 12 other people 12 there. Bones, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, that's why. Yeah. That, that Iranian pop music that you go see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah i saw like um i guess it was bob barker's um birthday was it yesterday or the day before and like you know it's like you see people posting it and stuff and you have like a heart attack at first you're like oh shit bob barker or no and you're like oh this is his birthday he's 99 mm-hmm. so like there you go he had a recent birthday and turned 99 yeah yeah i think it was so yesterday the day before yeah yep so okay so that that wraps up uh christmas part two here on below the belt show in the general what are the odds is- of it being 11 45 <laughs> General's last birthday. Chachi said that. I was like, that's like, oh, there's no way it'd be 11:45. Oh no, I know, I get I it. Never. Yeah, you're, you're saying, never. oh, we'll be done by 11. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Chachi, we're going I'm to, used to play false promises. Okay. It's... You ready for the Christmas cut theme? Yeah. Such an offensive theme song, by the way. Oh, oh, oh! It is time for Chachi's classic Christmas cuts. Put these chestnuts in your mouth. I mean, it really shouldn't be an offensive theme song because, like, chestnuts are high in protein. That's true. And I'll give it to you. I mean, you know, they're high in fat too, but it, but it, it's it's good fat. It's, it's, you know it's I mean? a good fat, yeah. It's, it's a good fat. So you can eat chestnuts all season long, put them in your mouth, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as you don't simultaneously roast them over an open fire. This See? is your Christmas cut, Chachi. Christmas and cut, the second one. On. And following that, our final Monster Mania on location interview with Bradley Gregg from Stand By Me and Nightmare on Elm Street 3 yes. that you conducted. Um, yes. He plays Eyeball Chambers. Eyeball who Chambers, was, yes. Who is River Phoenix's uh uh, the the brother, brother. Phoenix, yeah, yep, yep, of Phoenix's character, and we talked to him at the Monster Mania convention. That will also uh, yeah, get some cool up. stories about River Phoenix. So. Exactly, such another another um. Wow, what an icon gone too soon, right? Oh, um, way too soon. I mean, he would. I mean, he would have been an A-lister. He would have been a superstar. You yeah. know, still, Heath I think to this day, I think both yeah. of them would have been just amazing. I agree. But um, all right, go ahead. This and is the Christmas song, and you know, I always yeah. go back and try to find something from back in the day for my cut. And this is one, you know, and we played a lot of um, Christmas songs here over the years, but we haven't right. played this one yet. And this is actually by the group The Pretenders, and this is called Two Thousand Miles from 1983. So it came out November 18th, 1983. Um, but this song is a very catchy song, very soothing. All right, but pretenders followed by pretenders. the on location interview yep. with Bradley Gregg. We will see you next week for our final show of 2022. Yes, this is the big before, one. 
and us also before our little bit of a longer hiatus than you're used to. We're sorry, listeners. Um, I need to get uh, upgrade some um, laptop hardware, and and I think that's the best time to do it after the Christmas show next week. Plus, I need a break too. God damn it, I've been doing this nonstop. You say that, seems... but then you like will get the itch. You'll come back here like yeah. mid January. Well, I, yeah. Well, I'll actually won't anyway, be. Chachi, let's do the let's do the January fifteenth show. I, I won't because I actually will be in Florida then. You will so. be, yeah. You'll be doing <laughs> better things, do, I'm sure. I'm not going to be podcasting in Orlando. I promise yeah. you that, guys. Right. So, um, on behalf of our guest co-host, a uh, guest became guest co-host, Ronald Woodhead, actor yes. uh, extraordinaire. Make sure you check out 5,000 Blankets. Ronald, thank you for joining us and, and sticking thanks around. Sticking around. Yeah. Show. I had a blast. Yeah, thanks for joining us, man. Good luck with uh, 5,000 Blankets, and we'd love to have you back. Yeah, even as a co-host, if you oh, got wow. like three hours to kill. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Three hours? What, what do you have, like a half show that day? I uh, know, we, we, we went a little longer. Right. Uh, of course, um, King Chachi, the king of the 80s. Thank yeah, you I'm so much. I'm looking forward to next week, our final show of the year. That's right. The Cookie Memorial Christmas show. The Cookie um, Memorial Christmas show, where we're going to pull out... Expect a high quality show. It's always a train wreck, but it's enjoyable. It's a train wreck because we like, like to get as many hosts as possible and yeah. drink drink lots yeah. of adult beverages and make sure you're drinking two listeners that way you'll probably enjoy it a little you'll bit better <laughs> yeah and uh mike the general zod the birthday boy well happy birthday thank, man thank you thanks for everyone uh who's been on the show tonight and um i guess i could plug something although this will probably come up before i mean this will uh you know the uh the event will occur mm-hmm. Before it's posted, yes. Before it's posted, but if like you know you have a time machine or something, whenever you listen to this, <laughs> you could go back to uh, December seventeenth, where uh, my my group um, Full Transparency has its second uh, has its second uh, show improv at, showcase. Yeah, in, at the Baltimore Improv Group Theater on Charles Street in Baltimore. So there you go, Mike the General Zod, the improv yeah. master. Yeah. Um, if you want to meet General Zod, who has been a fixture on our shows for so many years. And who, and who doesn't, really? And who doesn't. Check out <laughs> his doesn't? improv show to dazzle, delight, and entertain. Absolutely. And by the time this is posted, I'll have, like, future shows to tell you about. I just there don't know and where yet. And so, but hey, yeah. you know what? Yours truly has a, a, a thing to plug, guys. Uh, I talked about and, last wait, week. Wait, 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 but General definitely, he saves all his funny material for the improv group he doesn't use this on the show so yeah. <laughs> if you want to see something funny come out and laugh make sure you join his show all right so um monday night i know nobody's doing anything on a monday night but probably sleeping right but monday night i have a film premiere for the um a group that i collaborated with barcada dmv we're showing four f- short films one of them a christmas film that's premiering called a very merry mahusai uh, Mahusa is the Tagalog word in Filipino language for good. So they're like the good family, I guess. Um, in addition, our global 48-hour project um, film, Pinoy Noir, The Case of the Sisters, will be premiering as well. Wow, that's, so so that's really blown up. It's at the it's in the global forty eight hour front. Global because we, we were in the first, second, and third place winners. So we uh-huh. um, we get to screen our film as part of the uh, global competition. That's awesome. That's that's a lot to be proud Great. of, man. Wow. 
Yeah. So um, if our film wins some of the categories, we will either go – well, Film on Palooza is the national competition. The global like, competition um, is everyone right? across the globe. And there's a, obviously a chance that the film gets selected to screen at the Cannes Film Festival, which it's wow. the creme de la creme uh, of film festivals. Yeah. So. If you want to see George truly on the big screen, guys, um, I'll I'll be there um, in attendance and on the screen, of course. And, of course, our two previous 48-hour film projects, um, The House Guest and Peter Noir, The Case of the Cursed Hammer, will also, also uh, screen. Uh, so those four short films, The Green Belt Theater in Green Belt, Maryland. Of course, uh, you can check out Barcada DMV at Barcada, at Barcada DMV on Facebook and instagram for uh, information on our screening so there you go awesome. awesome thank you so much everyone guys and we will see you guys next week for the koki memorial christmas show so until then guys peace he's Hey guys, we are here at Monster Mania, Oaks, PA. So happy to be back. And we're here with, this guy's been in so many great movies. You know, movies I loved growing up. Um, we got Bradley Gregg, you know him from. And I'm on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, Stand By Me, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade. Bradley, how you doing? I'm good. good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Chachi. Chachi. Chachi, yes, yes. Now, are you surprised after all these years, we got a bunch of people here from Dream Warriors. Are you surprised with the longevity of that movie? Am I surprised by it? Yeah. Um, I'm touched by it. Yeah, I'm I, a little surprised. Yeah, when you're doing these films, you don't realize the life that they're going to have once they're completed. And so I've been fortunate enough, like you mentioned, Stand By Me, yeah. this film as well. Like, uh, at the time, I didn't know it was going to resonate. I didn't know. Uh, I just I just went all in, fully committed to doing the character. But all these years later, through doing you know comic cons like this, the the impact uh, it's had in each individual character. Uh, different people relate to the different characters, and there's a there was more of a depth to the the story than I realized, and I only realized that by people sharing that with me, the reactions that they had from the film and it's really uh, yeah it's really touching that it resonated and and with so many people so long for so long you know um, same thing with Stand By Me you know so and many people yeah many people consider um, Dream Warriors as the best Nightmare on Elm Street uh, movie and I agree with them yeah. why do you think that that movie was considered the best out of so many other great Nightmare on Elm Street movies yeah, just like what I was saying I yeah. don't know other than like there's like a psychological aspect to it right. um, and again people sharing like even the whole horror genre I didn't do many horror films at all um, Stand By Me is like walk, you know there's a little 
horror-ish to it because right. of the dead body, Stephen King, class of 1999. Yeah. But this was really the only one. So when I first started doing these, I tried to get my mind around what it is um, that people are. That people are very horror fans are very passionate about it and what is that because it's, it's there's darkness there's gruesome things chilling things and uh, you know there's a lot of people deal with trauma I find out through watching horror you know and so I think with uh, with Dream Warriors um, I've had several people soldiers share with me uh, who are dealing with PS, uh, PTSD, right. uh, uh, people who have thought about taking their own life, wow. um, yeah, people dealing with different traumas. It's helped them. And so I think because it's a little bit... I don't know a lot about other horror films, but I know specifically this one, there's like a psychological was, yeah. depth to it, if, if that's, you know, I don't, I, I don't know how to put it into words, really. And your character, was it Philip in the movie? Yeah. Had the, probably the, one of the most gruesome deaths out of all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies where you became like a puppet, like a marionette for Freddy Krueger. Yeah. How was filming that scene? Um, yeah, it was, it was the same, you know, uh, we just did a Q&A and I was sharing that um, because of the, the practical, there were very talented special effects people, but at that time it was different than it is now. So the rawness of it, the, the, the practicalness of it, added to the, uh, for me as an actor, the availability to just, you know, like when he pulled the veins, like I, I used the feeling yeah. of that as much uh-huh. as I could yeah, to uh, make it gruesome, you know, yeah. rather than it being okay, like shivers now. computer generated, right, you know, right. um, simple things like just the blood dropping on the floor, things like that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, what was the original question though about that? It's about the gruesome death and like, yeah, 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 it, it was just, I think that that's what made it, you know, um, so gruesome was like that like the yeah. it, it, it's so uh, chilling just to see an open frame you see just a blood drop hit the floor um, and then you see my foot come into frame with the veins coming out oh, of it yes, it's yes. just so <laughs> it's just so simple yeah but it's so uh, I guess he chills yeah, yeah it, it does, I, I don't know yeah you know kind, kind of it, realistic you know rather than just something that was completely fantastical you know uh, yeah, and like a lot of the a lot of the fans here consider Robert England one of the nicest guys in horror at all these different comic cons and conventions. Um, was he that way on set, or was he more in, in character when Robert, you filmed it? Robert's a really talented guy, yeah. and he's a very sharing guy. So he'll share his wisdom with you. He's he's he endears people, and you know, Ira was telling a story at, at the Q and A about like they're doing this dark stuff I was about to die and he like cracks a joke I don't remember exactly what it was but I think like that kind of uh, ability to do that helps you get through what we're dealing with as a subject matter in this movie you know and so that was my recollection of him he was telling stories he was lightening up the mood he was friendly to everyone making everybody feel comfortable nothing like Freddy Krueger on the set yeah well yeah I mean to this day he makes everybody you know when we get together he tries to make everybody feel comfortable Um, and yeah it's interesting with me is like some of the toughest men in my life that I've met toughest actors the characters they play at least are the kindest 
yeah. gentlest teddy bear guys. <laughs> They're not putting yeah, on, yeah. you know what I mean? And um, I, I myself am not really the bully that I've often portrayed, you know what I mean? Even, even you know... Uh, some other, you know, tougher characters right. that I've played. I'm, I'm really not that tough. You know, like, I don't know what that is, but... Well, people want to see another Nightmare on Elm Street, but with Robert England. As a fan, would you want to see that? I know he said he wanted to retire and stay retired, but would you like to see him... Well, I've been... I've been... Take the blade again, I've been, the blade I've been glove. playing with this idea that I was talking, to, again, yeah. by doing these types of shows, I should, should probably not speak out of turn, but... Yeah. Uh, people coming up talking about again with this specific film and the right. Dream Warriors themselves resonating. Somebody was talking about the fact of bringing it back now oh, yeah. again, a sequel to this specific a direct sequel to Dream Warriors. Yeah, and oh. and we are not dead. And yeah, yeah. Um, so we kind of play around with ideas. Kind of with the whole Halloween thing that they did with the new part two of Halloween. Yeah, and I asked yeah. people, hey, if there was ever a movie like that, would uh, you know? And of course, yeah, if we could get Robert to be involved with something like. Oh, it'd make so much money. Yeah, yeah. it would be a great story. It would be good, but again, the same type of thing. Like even I don't know if you guys were in there when we did that, but the the uh, the response of people, the 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 connection that people have to this one film, I think that would be. And again, some of the things that I mentioned to you, wouldn't that be really cool to like bring more of that? Oh, 100%. You know what yeah. I mean? Some of these people have been lifelong fans of this movie since they were young. Have a new... I don't know what that would look like, but yeah, I mean, if that answers your question... Oh, yeah, I would love it, yes. Yeah. <laughs> if that answers your question... It does. And then that would bring... I don't know where he stands, though, because I know they did the remake. Yeah, it, I don't like the remake, no. It's got to be Robert England or nobody else. Yeah, it's like, it's like you don't... You, forgive me for saying this, but you don't redo Willy Wonka. Gene right, Wilder's exactly, Willy yeah. Wonka. You know what I mean? Right. So, nothing against those guys who did that. But With like, Friday the 13th, you can put anybody behind the mask, you know, to an you extent, you but you can't, can't do replicate Robert England. No, He's Freddy Krueger. Right. So. But we also got to talk about Stand By Me, like one of my favorite movies of all time. You play Eyeball Chambers, the brother to uh, River Phoenix, um, Chris Chambers. How was that whole experience? And were you surprised at how much that movie is still like iconic to this day? It's the same thing. Like yeah. I feel like very fortunate that I was a part of some really incredible things like that and uh, that that whole film has like just a very special place in my heart you know first and foremost because of my relationship with River and to this day my you know motive my it's 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 for River you know like I, I, I don't want I, I want his legacy to continue. He's a great guy and a very talented guy. And, um, yeah, I mean, we didn't expect it. But it just kind of, like, I explained to people, like, you know, when you pursue music and you're in a band, right, not every song's a hit, right? But when you hit that, when everybody's in, the, in it and you hit it, there's nothing like it. And I think that is the way it is with art. So, like, in filmmaking... That was a. That was one of those. Like everything, just every that collaboration, just everything, kind of just fit together perfectly, um, and that's why it, it worked. And it to this day, it's and to be. I'm fortunate to be a part of that. Oh, that film, a wonderful movie. And people, I've always heard who knew River Phoenix and worked with them said he was a whole other level. Even you could tell even as a kid. Um, do you have any like personal stories with um, River you would want to share? Um, 
Yeah, and I'm j- just uh, the best, man. Just yeah. like, yeah, you're right. He was just very uh, one of a kind, one of a kind, and I, I miss him terribly. Um, but yeah, became like my real brother, yeah. and uh, there's many, many fond memories, many. Um, but yeah, nothing that like you know. Oh, were you close to time, like? You know, okay. yeah. Were you close to River Phoenix and like Jerry O'Connor and all the other um, great actors on that movie? Was I close with? Close, yeah, I was yeah, very close uh, with River. Okay. Yeah, but he's the main one. Okay. Yeah, the main one. I mean, okay. after after you do a film like that, you kind of bounce around with the guys for a while. Yeah. And we were in. They they all took us aside. They knew I think the impact that film was going to have. And again, these are very incredibly talented, cool people you're collaborating with who've been around so the guys who wrote it um, and were producing it uh, you know one day I remember them taking us aside and saying you know kind of schooling us on what was going to happen in our careers and they, wow. they, they explained to us there's going to be this generation there's going to be a pool of guys and you know you're going to go up against each other for parts you're going to get one right. you're not you know and um, you know and that was the case I mean that was really uh the, the world we were living in at that time and and we all became friends and kind of you know palled around together as much and then you know different people's careers some some become huge some you know and uh, but yeah I mean the guy the older guys I hung out with with those actors for a while you know palled around and then you know like I said people move away they're, they're doing different work but I haven't really talked to um, a lot of them I, I've had some interaction with Corey and Jerry um, but yeah but awesome. I see you have people lining up for you um, very last question um, you're in Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade another iconic movie um, what would you want to see in the new Indiana Jones movie coming out you know, now? <laughs> I don't know. When we did that, they were never going to make another right, one. Yes. Yeah. And they should have stopped at that one, I think, before Crystal Skull, but yeah. that was the last great one. So That's hopefully the new one say. is great. Yeah. Sean Connery, and just the, that, again, that was another yeah. fortunate project that it was really cool it really worked you know and like I think that's why they were saying don't touch it don't do any more they were even and they I think I remember them talking about that when I was with all of them um, that their agreement I think I think if I get this right Harrison Ford George Lucas and Steven Spielberg wouldn't if there's they all have to like find the right script if they all sign off on agreeing to the script they'll do another one but unless they didn't then that was it the last crusade was the last crusade (laughs) should have been the last all right all right well bradley greg so nice talking to you if you don't mind let us know who you are and you're um watching below the belt show all right i'm bradley greg you're watching below the belt awesome thank you so much bradley well it has been a ill show tonight and i think we have all learned some valuable lessons this is your bot for the bad boys of baltimore saying until next time, keep chilling. Like a villain. Bye, goodbye, 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 goodbye.